Okay, we made it out of the mortuary. Now where do I find Farad? Yeah, I don't know, Chief. Why don't you go ask that, uh, that shit over there? Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, I'm looking for a collector named Farad. Uh, I don't know the darker no-cutter named Farad. If you're just gonna stand in the thoroughfare like a burp, why don't you, uh, make sure you watch nah, out? I just screw it, I'll find someone. <laughs> okay, we've made it out of the mortuary. Now, where do I find Farad? <sighs> Jeez, Chief. I don't know, uh, why don't you go ask that, uh, that guy over there? Uh, excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a collector named Farad. Uh, the Dusties ain't doing their job too good if you got back up, but, uh, listen, I still don't know the dark and no cutter named Farad, you Barney Burke. Listen, if you're gonna bother me out in the thoroughfare, you might as well remember to watch out for- Yeah, screw it, I'll find someone. There we go again. Okay, we made it out of the mortuary. Now, where do I find Farad? <sighs> Alright, Chief. I don't know. Why don't you go ask that guy over there? Oh, excuse, excuse me, sir. I'm looking for oh, a just, collector named Farad. Just, 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 enough of that. Just, uh, just, I don't know no Farad. You need to shut up and listen to me. I'm gonna get you the dock of this. Stand in the thoroughfare. You have to watch out. Uh, screw it, I'll find someone else. Jeez, by the lady. Okay, we made it out of the mortuary. Now how do I find Farad? <sighs> okay, Chief. Now get it. Farad's a collector, but I don't know where he's at. Uh, excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a collector named Farad. By the rule of three, I thought we were done. I don't know the dock and no cutter named Farad. You need to pike off before you uh, before you get hit by another... Yeah, screw it. I'll find someone <laughs> Okay, we made her out of the mortuary. Now how do I find Farad? Farad, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Chief, uh... Go, go ask one of these people over there. Go. Oh, excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a collector named Farad. Talk about a clueless side. Listen, I don't know the dark no Farad. I gotta stand in the filter, wasting my time, all day. Need to remember to watch out. Yeah, oh, screw it. I'll find someone. Oh, Again, listen, buddy. I'm sorry about this. We're probably going to be back in about 15 minutes. Just sit tight. I swear we'll get through this, all right? <sighs> Whatever. Okay, we made it out of the mortuary. Now where do I find Farad? Look, Chief, I don't know where Farad's kip is at. But uh, if you ask one of these people around here, maybe not that uh, excuse guy... Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a collector uh, named Farad. <sighs> I'm looking for a way out of the... Yeah, screw it. I'll find some... No, 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 no. Don't worry. He's all right. Back up, everybody. He's all right. Okay, we made it out of the mortuary. Now, where do I find Farad? All right, Chief. You find Farad by asking one of these chits on the thoroughfare. They might tell you, and you also need to listen to what they say. Oh, excuse, excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a collector named Farad. Listen, Cutter. I don't know the dark no Farad. I've got a job. I walk back and forth in this triangle. And you're interrupting it. So I'm going to tell you one time, one last time. If you're going to stand in the thoroughfare, watch out for fire ball. Ah, screw it. I'll ah, Can we tattoo this on this guy?
Hi, this is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you are listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. This is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are talking about Planescape Torment. And next week we're talking about Planescape Torment as well. Yes, the second of our uh, uh, two-part series, or the first of our, wait, two-part what? No, this yeah. is our second two-part game. There we go. Okay, okay. It's a series of series. <laughs> it's a series. That's all you need to know. A, like, okay. Um, the World okay. Series of Series. There are four balls on the edge of a cliff. Um, yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, in case you're, you're not familiar with it, Planescape Torment is a, a computer role-playing game um, developed by Black Isle Studios. It was released in December of 1999 by Interplay. Um, it was developed based on the Infinity Engine, which you will know from uh, Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale and all of those uh, RPGs that are based on Dungeons and Dragons uh, Second Edition. Right, and, and Fallout, and to a lesser extent, uh, Lionheart. <laughs> to a much lesser extent, Lionheart. Yeah, a much lesser extent. Uh, pretty much, if you look at my top fifteen games, like nine of them are in the Infinity Engine. <laughs> so it is definitely my favorite engine of all time. Yeah. Um, setting-wise, Planescape uh, Torment takes place in Planescape, which is a Dungeons and Dragons setting designed by Zeb Wells. You know, near the end of Dungeon Dragons uh, 2, Advanced Dungeon Dragons 2.0, they started kind of getting a little crazy, and Planescape is known for this kind of, uh, you know, a very imaginative, dark role-playing setting. It's kind of like the anti-swords and sorcery role-playing setting. Yeah, it's definitely a throw-it-all-in kind of uh, kind of uh, uh, approach to it. Think like the Marvel Universe. Anything and everything that has ever been uh, part of the D&D canon is a part of this. Uh, there's the multiverse and everything like that. Uh, yeah. So the story definitely does range pretty widely uh, in terms of the subjects and things like that, but it mostly takes place uh, in uh, Sigil, in and around Sigil, which is kind of the center of the uh, multiverse. Correct. And, and it, you know, the story focuses on a character uh, without a name, known as the Nameless One, who um, wakes up um, with amnesia in a, a mortuary, and uh, he finds out that he is immortal. He cannot die, but he's lived many lives, and every time he dies, he loses his memory. So you kind of go on a quest to discover um, your history, and ultimately, and you know that we will discuss uh, spoilers in this this episode. Um, ultimately, to gain back that mortality, and uh, kind of come to grips with your with your past selves. Yeah. So on your way through going, you know, getting to that ultimate goal, you're going to be talking to a lot of people. I think of all of the Infinity um, Engine games, this is the one that is definitely the most text heavy. Um, mm -hmm. You're the master of trivia, Gary. How many novels worth of text is in this game? <laughs> I'm at least like a good like one and a half. But a novel <laughs> is a big unit of, of text. Yes. Um, yeah, hugely dialogue driven and not just in the, the content of the game, but also in the gameplay. Um, so, you know, despite the fact that this was not a commercial success uh, by any means, um, it gained a lot of critical praise and it became kind of a cult classic because of that unique kind of aspect to it. Yeah, and uh, lots of people still talk about it today. There's, uh, you know, there there hasn't been a re-release of it, and you know, unless you count the good old games uh, release, which uh, I imagine is how most people are playing it nowadays. Um, but uh, I have heard tell of the possibility of there being an HD remake being done by the uh, guys who are doing the Baldur's Gate remasterings. Right, and Cole just gave me like nine erections without <laughs> even knowing that, that he had done it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I did not know about that. I knew about the Baldur's Gate. Uh, remake, but uh, that would make me crazy happy because, as we will, we'll get into. Um, I one hundred. I love this game. Yeah, yeah. So, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna talk about all of that stuff. We're gonna kind of go through the plot. Um, it is an Infinity Engine game, which means there are lots of side quests and kind of side tunnels to go through. Um, so we're gonna kind of talk about that and tackle gameplay as we go. 
cool. This is his first time playing through the game. I think he's made an attempt before. Um, but this is probably was my fourth or fifth. So I'm going to let him take the lead and then just kind of fill in trivia and commentary. Uh, kind of a, you know, a mirror. Um, we're in the Silent Hill version of Watch Out for Fireballs, <laughs> which means we're reversing <laughs> for Torment. Exactly. Uh, for these, yes. for these two episodes. That hardly seems fair. So you mentioned that, you know, uh, this, you know, I've made an attempt before. I've made about four attempts before, uh, making my, uh, travel through Sigil and the Hive, uh, probably about the same as, uh, the Nameless ones, actually. <laughs> that was an interesting <laughs> parallel. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I've got, I've played through the Mortuary about five times. Um, but I, I like the way the game opens. Um, even though I think it definitely does open kind of on a, on a, on a, on a weak foot. Um, as you, as you mentioned, you wake up dead, uh, which, you know, <laughs> you never know, boy, you might even wake up dead tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, uh, you wake up and you have Mort right there. And I've got to say, uh, right off the bat, I love Mort as a character, the floating skull. Uh, astute listeners will remember back to when we did the longest journey episode. And I think that you had said that the, um, uh, Jake, the, uh, the crow, and that is the, uh, or crow, the crow. Yeah, crow, the crow. <laughs> the, crow, the crow. It doesn't get much easier than that, Gary. Where did I get Jake? <laughs> um, <laughs> boy, wow. Um, but crow, the crow, uh, you called him the best sidekick in the, the history of gaming. And uh, I was just waiting for us to do this because yeah. I, I'm going to give that to Mort. Okay. I love Mort. Yeah. No, it's really good. And, uh, definitely it, it, it is as far as like introducing you to characters, you know, making him the first person that you interact with, uh, is definitely a good idea because you don't do very much interesting for the, for, for the course of the mortuary. Um, it, it definitely is like a tutorial kind of area. If you're not familiar with how to, uh, with how to navigate the infinity engine, um, and, you know, it teaches you how to talk to people, how to do any kind of, uh, you know, sneaking around if you would like to how to interact with the environment. Um, and there are some fun little side quests in there, but I definitely mm-hmm. think that, uh, it's not, you know, it's not as visually or, uh, narratively as interesting as I would hope it would be with the exception of like when you meet your former lover, but right. As an area, it's not that strong. Um, I think that the, the kind of that initial hook though is really strong. This idea that you've woken up, you know, you've woken up dead without your memory is, is really, you know, really compelling and a, a, a really kind of nice, uh, you know, you know, the player is a blank sl- slate. The, uh, you know, the character is a blank slate at this point. And they, uh, you know, that kind of metatextually becomes involved in the narrative as, as a way we'll talk about later. Um, this idea that on, on this run through, you're free to play however you'd like, um, you know, because it's a game, but also it makes sense within the narrative. Um, it's not just convenient amnesia. Right, exactly. This is this is my favorite amnesia in in in, in narrative history. Aside, like, this is aside from the amnesia, the dark the dark descent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a pure amnesia because it's in the uh, the title. But my favorite instance of narrative amnesia. Right. So and so just kind of talking a little bit. So one of the the interesting things, um, and I will keep coming back to this point until everyone who's listening to this is sick of it. But one of the things I love about this game is the way that it subverts things, and uh, your character to look at him looks like, you know, a barbarian kind of thing, but he is about the ugliest main character I can, I can think of. Like he's, he's hideous and characters are constantly <laughs> remarking on it. Um, he's covered with scars and tattoos. His face has this weird kind of zombified look to it. Like he just looks weathered. Yeah. You know, he looked like, um, like Sam Elliott's like saddle taint. <laughs> like just, just <laughs> like he's, he's, he just looks like a, a strip of jerky. 
Um, so, you, you know, you wake up and you, you talk to Mort and he, you know, be, a couple of things become obvious. Um, one being that, uh, you know, he knows you, you have this former relationship, even though you don't have any memory of him. And uh, right off the bat, you're given a choice on how you want to treat uh, Mort. You know, you have different dialogue options that all more or less mean the same thing. But, you know, one of them's like, you know, stoic skull and one of them is a Mort is a floating skull. So the, I don't yes, know if that, we actually mentioned that. Um, uh, Floating Skull voiced by Yakko Warner. Exactly. Um, which, which is, which is wonderful. Um, but you know, you can, you can be mean to him. You can, uh, kind of fool around with him and, and joke with him. You can be kind to him. You know, you're given, and that's going to be kind of the primary mechanic of this game or these kind of choices. And they, they weigh them in, in, you know, a, a, a really strong way. So right at the very first uh, dialogue in the game, you're kind of given this option to, to choose a path there. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a nice role playing opportunity, you know, honestly, um, I tend to play these kind of games um, my first time through just kind of doing what I would normally do. Um, I know that you this playthrough, you attempted to be as evil as possible, right? Yeah, this is my first. So I, I said before I play this game, uh, you know, this is my fourth or fifth playthrough. Sure. This is the first time I've successfully played through evil, evil <laughs> playthrough because it it makes it really tough. I'm not the, the first person you know to say this if you look at through corners of the Internet, but. It is, uh, it's very difficult to be evil in this game because of that, that good writing and because of how kind of, uh, tied into the choices you're making, you right. feel. Yeah. So, so I, I normally end up being chaotic neutral or chaotic good, um, just because I like to fuck with people. Okay. <laughs> chaotic good is clearly the best alignment. Like how, how <laughs> everybody you know or anybody you'd ever want to associate with would be chaotic good. Mort's chaotic good. So I'm automatically sold. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like when you, when you were looking through the, uh, second edition, you know, AD&D book, like, and you're reading through the list of alignments. Like, why would anybody choose anything other than like who would you would you hang out with somebody who's lawful neutral? Like, of course you fucking wouldn't. You know, it's chaotic good all the way. It's the only alignment. It's the, it's the only alignment. <laughs> it's the only alignment. I was, uh, you know what? I was the kind of fucker who would play like lawful good, the paladin guy, mm-hmm. though, and like do the Im- imminently predictable fall from, you know, not the character fall from grace, but fall from grace. You know, like you know, Luke Luke turning into a dark Jedi kind of kind of uh, mm-hmm. story. Um, yeah, I was very unimaginative, but yes, chaotic good <laughs> is the best, um, just because. In Dungeons and Dragons and in life. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it is, it, this is one of those few times, I think, where, um, alignment matters, I guess, more than, more than like how, how people like treat you, I suppose. Um, I, I I've never played the game through to its, con- you know, to its conclusion, so I couldn't, I couldn't say for sure, but it, it definitely does like affect the way the story goes, right? Like which, which alignment you tend towards, right? Oh yeah. Like it, it's, it's a huge, uh, huge, huge factor. Um, and, and we'll talk about those as they come up. Right. So there are lots of ways to escape from the mortuary. Um, a lot of them, you know, kind of hinging on on your stats and kind of on how uh, inquisitive you want to be. Uh, there are lots of zombies walking around. All of them are uh, labeled with numbers and such. Uh, you'll find one of them who's like an anarchist spy who disguised himself as a zombie uh, very convincingly. Uh, you'll find another mortuary tender who's a, who's a tiefling who will uh, help you retrieve some memories by, you know, stitching up some of your scars. And that's pretty cool, too. I mean, it really encourages you to click around it's dangerous for someone like me to know that any random NPC that you talk to, like you can, if you choose the right thing, you will get stat boosts and things like that. Yeah, stat boosts. Like this game, uh, better than than almost any game I can think of, rewards that. Like it wants you to explore it. And, and that's something we've brought up a lot, um, you know, in games in the past. Like, you know, we want the widest possible experience from games. 
um, you know, games want you to see see this stuff. But a lot of times, the way they deal with that is kind of forcing you into it. And this is entirely a reward system. Like you can, if you if you suck, you can play through this game, you know, as as a fighter that just goes through and kills everything. Like you can go and kill every zombie in the mortuary on your way out for meager experience gains and fight your way out. But you know, don't do that because that's that's a dumb way to play. Yeah. Um, it rewards you being inquisitive, uh, talking to people, reading the actual text, um, putting together clues, things like that, and that's all you know right on the right on front street, like right in the beginning of the game. It's like your one friend who is a good dungeon master who would actually give you experience points for role playing. Exactly. This yeah. is this is the game that gives you experience points for role playing. It is on yeah. the opposite end of the spectrum from Icewind Dale. Yes. Which is, you know, a game that I like, but is, uh, uh, you know, that if, if this game were, were that game, you would just fight your way out and then kill everything <laughs> exactly. in town. Yeah. And it's much more interesting for that. Um, but, uh, you know, your, your stats do like have a huge bearing on what you, on what you're able to do. So, uh, um, it's no secret that the most important stat in this game is wisdom. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, that, that's, that, that's true. That definitely lets you, uh, it gives you more options to get out of the mortuary. But even if you aren't rolled, you know, optimally, uh, for this game, if you, if you, uh, mistakenly, like me on my first playthrough, tried to roll as a, as a dex heavy thief, um, and you're dumb as, dumb as a box of rocks, uh, you will still eventually encounter the ghost of a woman named Dianara, who claims mm-hmm. to be your former lover, uh, who will, um, give you basically the, the, the secret to finding the portal out, out of the, uh, out of the mortuary. Right, and just as a couple of things, just as uh, you know, set dressing. So in the Planescape setting, one of the, you know, the kind of neat features of it is that there are portals, which are essentially just you know teleportation gates, but uh, they can be anywhere. So any kind of arch or door, or anything like that, can be one. And a key to use those can be anything. So um, you know, a lot of this game, the kind of plot hoops that they have you jump through. The stuff that in, you know, our lesser game would be find the red key to get to the red door <laughs> is actually, you know, find the the rose gilded with, with uh, you know, silver and find the, you know, the only 95 degree angle in an alley. You know, it's, it's like things like that instead. So it's just kind of a spice thing. It's really cool. Which, again, obfuscates the mechanics and makes you think more about the fiction than, you know, the fact that you are clicking and trying to hit, a, you know, hit event flags in order to make the, you know, progress. Mm. Which which this game does, you know, to, to a really, really good extent. It, it, it hides what's happening beneath it pretty well, um, e- even as it draws attention to itself by uh, by calling out the keys and things like that. Um, so you can handle the Dianara and, and, you know, several, several different ways. Um, I chose to kind of believe her and like vow that, yes, I will come back, you know, and, you know, die with you, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. cause why would she lie? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really, you know, it's, there, there are people who will lie to you in this game and you can, this is, I think the first instance where you can lie. Yeah. Um, which this is the first playthrough where I realized how important that is. Um, you know, a lot of times you're playing a uh, role-playing game, you know, an Infinity Engine game or later, like, you know, Mass Effect games, things like that, where, uh, and not, not Mass Effect, Dragon Age. I don't have experience with Mass Effect. Right. Not trying to, to be smart to a game <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. But, like, uh, what I found to be in, true in Dragon Age is, uh, you know, you have this kind of choice between being good or evil or just, you know, kind of roguishly good or straight-up good. And uh, But you can't trick people. Like, you just kind of have to say what you mean. You know, and this game, you know, it's like if you were truly evil, of course you would pretend to be good. Like if somebody has something for you, you would tell them what they want to hear to get what you want. And this game, that's 100% an option. You know, you, <laughs> she has this key, you want it. You can say, you know, it gives you a choice to vow that you'll do it or lie. 
And she can't tell. She can't automatically tell that you're lying. And I don't think that's stat-based. I feel like you can just lie, and she has no reason to disbelieve you right. either. So uh, that just like, you know, adds a lot of, of nuance. Like, I made playing through as an evil character a lot more fun because I wasn't cutting myself off from experience just to just to role-play as evil. You know, if you play uh, Baldur's Gate, take the evil reward, take the evil path, you get a little bit more money, you know, <laughs> and you take the good path, you get extra quests and tons of experience, <laughs> you know? So it's like it never made sense until this game. And that's weird because if this game rewards you just as much for being evil, that then, then it more, like, stands to, I guess, make you less prone to metagame it, I suppose, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah. So it gives you different motivations to choose one or the other, I suppose. Right. If you could, if you can still do the, uh, you know, do do either or and get the same get the same reward, um, mm-hmm. which speaks to the strength of the writing again. It's all and, it's, and, it's all going to go back to that. And sometimes, and this, and in an inversion again, you know, that's going to be the the key word. Um, <laughs> and you actually get a stronger reward for being evil, which is never, you know, in my I haven't seen that in in role playing games very often. Like it always ends up, you know, they have to enforce enforce this idea of good. But there are a couple times this game where just being kind of a selfish bastard, um, you know, and doing something that is evil, you actually will get a concrete reward that you would not otherwise get. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of has to, the, the penalty you pay for that, the trade-off is just feeling like a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, I just, you know, you feel so squicky about doing terrible things in this game that, uh, you know, and that's, that's all you pay though. You don't pay an in-game price right. for it. So it's, it's, it's game as personality test. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and just that that baffled me the first time I saw it because it says truth colon, you know, string of text, and then lie colon same string of text. So I can say the same thing but have a different intention behind it. Right, and yeah. it's just, it, does, it seems really simple, but that's just a layer that it you know is in every other kind of fiction. It's a layer that's in real life that's just I've never seen applied to a game before. Yeah, you know, and that's just that's really neat. It's just a level of nuance that I just you know haven't seen. Um, so it's great. Like, I just, I, I love that. And, and yeah. So, I mean, there are different ways to get out besides the way that, you know, Dayanara tells you, um, can you get out without encountering Dayanara? Um, because it's a good, like a really important plot point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like you probably can. Um, but I, I, I've never, I've never done that. Um, I feel like you can get someone to guide you out, um, in the, in the mortuary, uh, the mortuary is the, he- the headquarter of, uh, of a faction, and Planescape is made up of factions, which are people with similar beliefs. And this is the first one you run into. Um, they're called the Dustmen, and they believe that uh, you know desire is is uh, is wrong. You need to divest yourself of all desire and die a true death. And kind of the the way that they turn it on its head is that um, you know because of that, because people want true death, they're actually gone once they die. So uh, they utilize undead. That's why there are these zombies and skeletons walking around. So you, you can run into Dustman, and I know that you can trick them into to showing you the way out. Yeah. Um, but that may or may not be you might have to go past Dianara, but you may not. Like, I, I can also, when I visualize the path, I can see you just making a beeline for the door. No, um, it's, it's really fun, you know, especially, like, when you encounter the guard dustman who will like come up to you and say, Hey, halt there. Then you can talk to them and say, Oh, I'm sorry. I was just, I was just looking for the exit. And they say, oh, okay. Yeah. It's downstairs. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're, if your charisma is high enough, uh, if not, then you have to kill everybody on that floor. Um, right. Or you can, you can also just run. Yeah, um, you can, if you, if you have one of the most fun things you can do in this game, and I, I didn't do it this playthrough because I, I just did uh, mental stats. That was the other thing I wanted to see if I could do. Just <laughs> never put a, a point in another stat is once you put a couple points in dexterity, 
there are so many options in this game to reach out and break someone's neck. <laughs> it's, it's like a season of 24. Like you just like, um, you just like, and that becomes an option and you can just do every guard comes up. It's like, Hey, what are you doing here? And then the option is just reach out, snap his neck. And, um, so if you have high enough uh, dexterity or strength, you can just, you know, keep doing that. Planescape um, under siege. Yeah. Um. <laughs> When we talk about recovering memories, so one of the things, you know, if this person keeps coming back to life and he's lived for generations, you know, reasonably you could ask, you know, why isn't he all powerful at the beginning of the game? You know, it's the same thing with uh, Samus and Metroid games. Yeah. You have to come up with plot contrivances to uh, to to depower her every time. Um, in this game, it is that he knows how to, you know, how to kill and how to cast all these spells and everything, but he just, since he's forgotten... He just doesn't have the experience. Like experience points are a literal thing. And, uh, as you, you know, the main way you're going to gain experience and level up is through recovering memories. Um, doing things you've already done, advancing the plot in ways that remind you of your former life and kind of unlock, you know, this, uh, this agency that you have, this ability that you have. And, uh, you know, that, that's directly governed by wisdom, the kind of likelihood that you're going to be able to, to let a memory creep in is uh, governed by your wisdom stat. Yeah. So, again, most important stat in this game. Exactly. And that's something, you know, it's, it's a little bit frustrating because, like, in D&D in, in general, like, wisdom has always been kind of a dumb stat unless you unless you rolled cleric. And it's, and it's weird because you can't, as the nameless one, roll as a class that, uh, that takes advantage of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. you would have no reason if you if you didn't read a fact or if you didn't read uh, something from uh, before I play dot com. Um, <laughs> if you if you if you didn't know that wisdom was the most important stat, you would miss so much of this game. Right. And and though that, so that's definitely true. And I could say that's probably acquiesce. That's a, a bit of a weakness. Um, there is a lot of the game that's unlocked through intelligence and charisma as well. Um, but the game doesn't necessarily do much to telegraph that it's that kind of game other than its reputation. Right. So if you were playing it on release day in 1999, um, you could see this kind of rough looking customer on the front and roll up a fighter <laughs> and miss a lot. But I think that it's a little bit ameliorated by the fact that the game does encourage replay. And some of those, um, those memories you, you recover, uh, are going to come through regardless. And, uh, you know, it, it does give you, it will kind of like, you know, start hinting that you'll get more options based on dialogue. Um, similar to like, you know, a lot of people, if you're not into old games, uh, if you played, uh, New Vegas, New Vegas does the same thing where it'll give you a stat in parentheses and you know you got that dialogue option because of that stat. God, I love New Vegas. Um, I love Vegas, yeah. <laughs> I need so a lot of same people worked on, worked on that as this. Oh, really? So, wow. I had no yeah. idea. I mean, I know yeah. that, uh, that was, uh, that was Obsidian, which was formerly Black Isle. Um, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So yeah, same people, <laughs> but you get out of the mortuary, however, you know, however you decide to be able to do it, you know, based on how you rolled and how inquisitive you are and how much you like clicking on things. And, uh, you get out into kind of the slum area of sigil, which, uh, as we've mentioned before is the city that is, uh, kind of built around the spire at the center of the, uh, of the multiverse. And, uh, really, uh, the world is your oyster at this point. You're just given one kind of vague quest, one kind of generality. There's a, there's a paragraph tattooed on your back that tells you, um, to find a man named Farad, who is a person who goes around the hive, uh, collecting dead bodies to sell to the dustmen because they so value corpses that they can put into the dead book. 
Um, and apparently this Farad person uh, has a journal of yours that you will be able to, uh, you know, retrieve back and find a found, find, you know, a little bit more out about yourself. Right. And that, and that's really all it gives you. It is, it is very open-ended. Um, so you really have no choice but to start interacting with people, you know, to kind of get a lead. Um, you can always talk to Mort and, you know, he will always give you advice on your current situation, um, which is, you know, and that stays, uh, valuable throughout the game. So if you're ever stuck, Mort will kind of remind you what you need to do and give you a little bit of a hint, um, and kind of serves in that function throughout. But with this, he just tells you to start asking around. Um, and you're kind of exposed to this, uh, you know, first of all, like the, one of the kind of major strengths of the game shines here, which is the um, music and audio design of it. I don't know if, how much of this you picked up on, but the city for not, you know, it's, it's a video game. So if you're in a town, you're not going to see a city's worth of people, you know, thousands of people, you know, millions of people could live in, in Sigil. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the ambient audio makes it sound like a crowded place. <laughs> and it changes depending on where you're at. Like if you walk past the entrance of a bar, you start hearing incidental dialogue from inside the bar. If you walk past a market, you start hearing market incidental dialogue. Um, they do a really good job of making this place feel full without actually being able to fill it. I wouldn't have noticed that. I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't have noticed that if I didn't spend so much time uh, in the Neverwinter Nights like map making uh, mm. tool where you can actually like lay that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. no, I mean, it, it definitely is a strength. Um, and, um, I'm enough of an audio person that, uh, I will always make note of good audio when I find it. So, so yes, I, I did notice that, but, uh, how these games are put together, uh, the infinity engine and, uh, also the, uh, the Aurora engine after it, uh, definitely audio is a strong point. So what did you, so, you know, I had played this a thousand times. I knew exactly <laughs> what I needed to do. Like, what did you do when you first left? Left the mortuary. Um, honestly, I walked around. Um, I got to wherever I could, and I talked to any named NPCs that I could find. Um, like I found, I found Anna before you uh, could recruit her. Um, I went into the bars and talked to people, um, and just generally collected a lot of quests that I couldn't complete, just because the world felt so big. Um, I'm not the kind of person who's like paralyzed by you know the overabundance of choice, but there are a lot of quests that I just didn't like, straight up didn't finish. Um, so, so, you know, I I was, you know, there, there are some like, like stray, um, uh, observances that I have like written down here. Like, I love that there's there, the, the woman who's afraid of doors is named Ingress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And, and she's, you know, just in generalities, I mean, we, the, the NPCs in this game are incredible. Like, you know, you're playing, uh, you know, a lesser role-playing game and, and someone's walking back and forth in town and tells you, you know, try the adventurer's guild. Um, you know, if you, if you don't know how to cast fire and, uh, and just, you know, but all like the NPCs in this game all have kind of stories behind them, the named ones. Um, not all, but I would say 80%, um, have something interesting to them. The, uh, the character that Cole's mentioning, like, I think is really, really interesting. And she's somebody who accidentally got teleported to, to Sigil by, uh, walking through a gate and then has a phobia about them and has not gone through any, any doors, archways, anything that could potentially be one, uh, for fear of accidentally doing it again. And, uh, and she has that punny name, which, <laughs> which is also great, but it's just, it's such, there's just this just richness that just like blows my mind yeah. in, in the way that the, uh, the, the detail of the, the characters in this. 
And I almost wish there was a button. I know, I know some games like Diablo have a button that, you know, does this, but like you press it and it highlights anything you can click and like puts its name above it. I wish mm-hmm. that I could walk in, look at a, hold down a button and look at a screen and say like, okay, these are the named NPCs. These are the interesting people that I need to talk to as opposed to groping around. Again, groping, my favorite verb. Yeah. Um, groping around, um, with my mouse to try and find, uh, people with an interesting name with lots of consonants and Y's in it. Um, <laughs> um, in, in fantasy fiction, uh, in the fantasy fiction tradition. Um, but the first thing that I did, um, and, and I did come into this game kind of spoiled, um, you know, just kind of knowing, uh, the, the, the way to play it, you know, as I mentioned before, knowing to roll with wisdom and intelligence and, and mental stats. Um, I knew that I needed to become a mage right away. So that was, that was the first thing, um, that I, that I really kind of set myself out to do. Um, how did you roll this time around, Gary? Um, I, I always play through this game as a mage, um, mostly because it gives you a little bit more utility um, in what you're going to do. And I've talked about that before. Like that's always going to be what what I play towards. It's not going to be incremental stat increases or doing things that I already know how to do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to want to know how to do new things, which is not necessarily you know tactically. The few times you have to fight in this game, it's probably not the smartest way to do it. No, um, you get enough mages um, in the game. Uh, in your party, but I, I definitely did play through as a mage. I, you know, pumped up wisdom as much as I could, and and only put things into mental stats. So at the end of the game, I had twenty five in, in wisdom, charisma, and intelligence, and then something like a thirteen in dexterity because <laughs> I was able to put some points into that. You didn't break too many necks. No, no, I, I was not able to break any any necks so. except for power break neck. Um, yeah, <laughs> Bigby's breaking neck. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so I know, you know, I have a encyclopedic knowledge of, of all the stuff you can do in this, uh, in the hive. But what, what, like, what quest or what NPCs stood out to you? Like, what did you do when you were, you were there? Um, I really just kind of like walked around. Like, I liked the, uh, um, I liked the, uh, the, the smoldering corpse, um, just, uh, as a general area to talk to, uh, what's his name? The, the old Ebb, I think was, yeah, was the, Ebb the old, yeah, yeah. He becomes plot important later, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He, he does show up. He's he's a um, next. So we we have these different factions on the game, and pretty much at this point, you've really only run into the dustmen, um, but you can meet other ones as well. Um, and this guy used to be um, a member of the Harmonium, which is kind of the the cops. Yeah. In Planescape, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh you know that one. That's also where you get Dakon, right? Do you, can can mm-hmm. you get him right away? I forget. Like you... um, you can you can get Dakon um right off. He joins you, and I, I don't want to go into too much a, about that, but he's, so all of the NPCs, similar to, to New Vegas, uh, the NPCs don't have quests assorted with them, associated with them, but they do, there's a lot of depth, and if you spend time talking to your NPCs, you're going to get concrete rewards and a lot of story rewards. Um, did you manage to, in this half of the game, um, kind of unlock Dakon? Um, I've done all of the Circle of Zertheri, Zer- or whatever, mm-hmm. all of the Circles of Zertheri. Um, and I, and I managed to find out about his past, like the first time he died. Um, but as far as like unlocking him, I'm not quite sure what you mean. Okay. So I, I won't, uh, I won't, I want you to do that before you finish the game. Okay. Um, and I, I might nudge you in what you need to do, but we won't talk about it yet. Okay. Um, cause it's rad. The, <laughs> um, so this is, he's a, 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 a gith or a, 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 a gith Zerai. He's not yeah, a gith Zerai. Yes. A gith Zerai which are these uh, kind of creatures that come from the plane of limbo and they can manipulate reality with their mind on that plane. And uh, you run into him in a, in a bar. He's a, he's a fighter mage. Um, he's very stoic. And uh, 
you you find that you he has this kind of uh, tablet type object that is his religion, and if you ask him to teach you, um, you can kind of go through the lessons. And this is a, an area where your stats matter in an interesting way because there's kind of two levels to each lesson. Um, it gives you a little parable, and uh, you can say what would be like an obvious moral, or you can say what is the the deeper kind of more correct moral. And if you do, you gain you know a boatload of experience and and you learn a spell. And kind of interestingly, as you go, eventually you start unlocking circles that he's never unlocked. Um, oh. So you end up mastering this religion before before he does. I didn't uh, know you could go beyond him. I got to the sixth circle and I stopped. Yeah, I got to keep going, man. There's, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a lot of depth with uh, with Dakam. See, and, and and I kind of like shied away from him at first. I didn't do these circles until later. Namely, well, you can't like, do them until later because you have to become a mage first. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I became a mage like first and foremost. Oh, right like, on. I didn't get to con until I got back from the Dead Nations. So right on. Yeah. Um, not the PSN game, but the yeah. area in this <laughs> yeah. in this uh, in this video game that we're talking about in this episode of Watch Out for Fireballs, a podcast. This is a podcast. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, truth be told, I hate the GIF. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it just it's this weird prejudice that i have um from reading it the mod from a weird prejudice well i have my monster manuals and i've read them front and back you know and mm. uh does anything having to do with like the the gith or like the, these you know these weird planar monsters i don't i, I just I, I didn't it doesn't like speak to me um i forget what was it it was it was back in Shadowrun when we were talking about cybernetics and i was mm-hmm. talking Talking about like oh man, I just it, it feels to me like psionics in uh yeah. in Dungeons and Dragons. How it's just like yeah. a bunch of people with weird haircuts and gems embedded in them. <laughs> yes. um, that's how the gift feel to me. Like ooh, my sword reacts to my mood. Oh boy. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> you're you're right. It's just the the game makes them cool. Okay. Like it doesn't make them cool. I'm not. I didn't go out and buy a bunch of gift posters <laughs> and like go start you know get a gift haircut and start listening to gift rock. Like, <laughs> it's just, just you know, Dekan is great. Yeah. Like, you know, once you, once you, if you take the time to explore any of the NPCs you can get in the game, um, they all have very interesting stories and, uh, he is, he is definitely no exception. Yeah. I like how Dakan, he, like, he reacts whenever there are other Gith around. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, he, he, this is like the only time that this has happened, I think. Like, if, if he is next to you when you talk to another Gith, they will immediately know him. Right, right. They they know each other, and later times. So there's different kinds of gifts. We don't need to go too far. It doesn't get cast. <laughs> but uh, there's a, there's a version of gifts that are his, his enemies. And later on in the game, if you talk to if you have him right next to you, and you talk to one of these gifts as one of his enemies, they'll start to fight. Yeah. And uh, that's really that's very interesting. So the other the other kind of interesting things in this bar, um, it's called the Smoldering Corpse because of a a man that is levitating in the middle that's on fire, um, which is a really cool image, and later becomes important. Um, did you go through? Did you do the things with the thing with the character O? The character O? Yeah. No. Um, there's a character named O, uh, who uh, you can talk to and, and gain kind of a stat boost, and you find out that he is one of the alphabet, one of the letters that makes up the nature of reality. Okay. Like he he is O, like he is the letter O. Okay. And it just those, those kind of like details is really you know really neat to me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, just, you can run into anything here. Like it's yeah. just very, very rich mm-hmm. and in no way generic. Like you go, you know, I imagine going into a bar in a fantasy setting and it just, <laughs> it's dwarves and they're saying things like, I, I like male, but I hate elves, you know, and, and bullshit like that. And just, 
you never know like what you're going to to run into. Did you um did you spend very much time with the bartender? Um I got what I needed from him. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's I mean that was the only I was going to segue into that uh, yeah. kind of weird aspect. <laughs> Just that, how how you are Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um yeah, you, he, you're, the bartender, because of bar debts you had incurred in a former life, has been holding your eye um, in like a jar of formaldehyde, and you have to you have to pay off your debts or do him a favor to get it back. And uh, you do it, and you just pluck it out and put it in um, like it was nothing. Yeah. Um, so you know, because you have this own mortality, you're very free to abuse yourself. <laughs> very grotesque ways. So so on your on your way to uh, to finding the uh, rag pickers square. Um, you do, you do run into the character that allows you to change into a mage, um, kind of by, and Cole mentioned this briefly, kind of doing a, uh, a series of quests that comment on how annoying fetch quests are, <laughs> um, which is kind of, you know, there's a couple really meta things that happen in the game. Um, one we'll talk about next episode. Um, but that, you know, that's really neat. And you end up in rag picker square and take us from there. Okay. You end up in rag picker square. Um, and you kind of find this whole society that lives beneath uh, the hive and up to this point you thought oh well there's nothing below the hive and one of the main questions is like where is farad getting all of these bodies because you know there's nowhere below the hive for him to go well it turns out there is um and he is going into all these catacombs um and there's this whole society that has built its uh, economy out of delving into the catacombs in order to uh in order to fetch corpses to sell to the dusties to um, resell to them. Like they've right already, to, these are people the Dusties have already interred. And you can make a lot of friends and you can get a lot of, uh, uh, um, a lot of friends by, you know, revealing the secret. Um, mm-hmm. uh, before, before you kind of go meet Farad, like one of my favorite things that I did was you find that tailor, uh, that seamstress, uh, who you can get to poke around in your body cavities to help you find things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's such an awesome, man, I, I just keep saying this, but I love that you're in a role playing game and there's dialogue and she's digging around in a corpse and you can say, do you think there might be something in me? And then she can say yes. And you can just sit there and let her dig around in your guts. Like it's, it's awesome. And they describe the pain. Like you talk about different places in your body. Like, uh, maybe there's something in my, my stomach. And then every time, you know, and then you're, then you say, well, maybe there's something, um, you know, look inside my kidney and you keep like going through different body parts. And every time your dialogue gets more strained and there are more ellipses, <laughs> you know, it hurts him to do this shit. Yeah. But, uh, you end up unlocking a lot of cool stuff this way. Yeah. Like you get to the point, like maybe there's something inside my head. She radies, she radies her chisel and hammer. You know? yeah. yeah, totally. And just like, how, how is that not amazing? Like how, if you, if you're, if you're listening to this, you haven't played this game. Like, why doesn't that make you want to play this? Yeah. Like, go download it. It's like 10 bucks. It's probably yeah, on sale. Like it's yeah, on sale right now. It is totally on sale right now because interplay. It may, maybe will not be at the time you're listening to this, but <laughs> the uh, yeah, you can go up to just random old ladies and have them dig around in your skull for magical items. Like, <laughs> holy fuck! <laughs> um, but uh, there are a couple of other kind of uh, random people that you can meet. There's a guy who lost his uh, favorite knife by stabbing a ghoul down in the uh, down in the uh, catacombs, um, and they make the catacombs out to be this huge scary place. You know, they they send people in deeper and deeper. Um, and that's really uh, what Farad wants from me. You, you meet him and you find out that he's this hobbled old guy who's on a crutch. And um, mm-hmm. he tells you, you know, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you everything I know about you if you go and fetch this bronze orb from uh, the depths of the catacombs. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you pretty much, you know, you don't really have a choice but to, to go do this. Um, you know, the game kind of plays with that. Like, it's a, one of those, like, thou, but thou must moments. But you can say, you know, what if I just kill you? And he's like, well, that's not going to get you anything. <laughs> you know, I know this stuff. And I'm the only person who knows it. 
So, and because you want knowledge and not like something he actually has, you're kind of forced to cooperate. Um, the catacombs, I mean, with, we'll, we'll talk about this. There's, there's one major flaw in this game, I really feel like, and, and this is the first time it really annoyed me. Um, and that is that the combat is balls. Like, it's pretty bad. And, uh, this is the first time, you know, when you're in the city, there can be thugs that kind of run after you and, and you might have to fight them, but it's optional. You can always run. Um, it's difficult to run down here in some situations and you will have to fight things and it's not great. Yeah. The first little area that's like just primarily packed with like thieves, you can either talk your way through it or just run. It doesn't really matter. But once you get into the tombs proper, you find like were rats that can't be hurt by normal weapons and you find, uh, uh, just these, these awful ghoul things. Um, it's real bad. It's like dire, <laughs> really, really yeah. bad. It's easy to get outnumbered. It's uh, you just die so easily. Yeah, right. You're you're relatively weak. It's very easy to get outnumbered. Um, they kind of ameliorate that by making there be very little consequence for death. You know, obviously your character is immortal, and you will wake up at the front. You know, the beginning of the catacombs. Um, your companions can die, but very early on in the game, you're given a, an ability to resurrect people. So um, resurrect you know, kinda... them with one hit point, which is so useful. Totally. You can't do it in battle. It just, it's useful if you can survive the battle anyway. Yeah. So you can kind of do like a, a big daddy fight with the, uh, the gene chambers on or whatever, <laughs> where you can, uh, you know, just keep, you know, your character keeps going back and you keep just, you know, chipping away at the monster. And then once the monster's dead, you can bring your companions back, but that's not very fun. Um, so there, there's no point in this game really in which combat is fun. And that's a huge deal. And it's a big flaw, and I it's still you know maybe my favorite game. So, <laughs> it, it, the uh, uh, but this is the first time I really noticed that, and it does kind of suck. There's neat stuff to do in the catacombs. Um, you just have to you know fight these vargoyles and uh, zombies to do it. Um, there, like there are two different ways you can go like from the start, right? You can either you can either go to the dead nations, which uh, are places with a lot of uh, I would say sentient undead. Or you can mm-hmm. go. Can, can you like straight away go to the were rats? Yeah, you can go to the the were rats um, if you'd like. And I actually I accidentally did that this playthrough. Oh. Um, there's kind of two factions down in the uh, down in the catacombs. Um, the the sentient undead, um, who are led by a character called the Silent King, and then um, this the were rats, which are led by something called the Many as One. Um, one of the most interesting monsters in Planescape are these things called Cranium Rats. <laughs> and they uh, they remind me of those goldfish, like you know those goldfish where you look at them and they look like they can control your thoughts because they just have huge brains that are on the outside of their body. Yeah, because yeah. they're the most horrific fucking thing you can buy in a pet store. <laughs> like if you go to the fish section, it's like you can buy fish with brains on the outside of their body. You can buy fish that are just skeletons. Like the, the pet store in the fish section is terrifying. But um, <laughs> little, little tiny rant there. But they they're like the rat equivalent of those goldfish, and uh, you get enough of them together, they can do magic. And down in this uh, in this catacombs, they're thousands and thousands of them that make them not only sentient and magic using, but all powerful. <laughs> and uh, they're called the, the many as one. Um, there's not very much to do with them. There's not really side quests or anything with mm-hmm. them, but uh, they will, they hate the, the uh, dead nations and the dead nations hate them. So there's a kind of a faction thing going on down there. Yeah. The real plot happens in the dead nations uh, where you you are kind of like you walk into this big room and you're surrounded by zombies. It's like, Oh shit. And mm-hmm. you wake up in a room with a familiar face, uh, a guy named Suego, um, mm-hmm. who is a dustman missionary uh, to the to the undead, trying to teach them the uh, the, the the benefits of death. Of true totally, death. he's trying to talk them into to giving up their life, which is hilarious. <laughs> hilarious idea as a missionary. Again, just like you know, an inversion being the name of the game, 
you walk into an undead kingdom and you become surrounded by zombies. And rather than uh, fighting anything, they tell you, we're not going to hurt you. You just can't leave. And then you have to solve side quests and, and earn your way out. Right. You know, of it. So that, that's really, really awesome. You get kind of a neat ability. You can talk to somebody named, um, Stale Mary, who is a, uh, there's kind of different factions within the Ascension Undead. And the leader of the zombies is a woman named Stale Mary. And, uh, if you, through the I right just, dialogue. I, I just got, I just got the Stale Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> I had to hear it out um, loud to get it. Yeah. Um, if you, uh, uh, you know, through the right dialogue, you can get an ability to where you can talk to corpses. And uh, that's very useful, and comes in, you know, can come into play in the plot later as well. Can or I, I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely necessary. It, I mean, I guess, it, I guess it is necessary. Okay. Well, no, it, it's not necessary because you you don't have to get it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is not necessary. So, um, the game doesn't do that much railroading of, of those kind of things. There, you know, the the game water finds its level. You know, the game yeah. finds its way forward, even if you skip things that are seemingly very important. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, 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 basically the, the, the thrust of how you get out and how you get them to trust you, uh, with, with leaving, because they want you to stay there until you die, but you're not going to die because you're the nameless one. Right. Um, you know, so you're already undead, but they don't know that because you're something else entirely. You're not one of these factions. Um, so the way you gain their trust and the way that you become, uh, their buddy buddy is you, uh, expose Suego as a, as a were rat. Basically he got infected. Um, and he came down there, uh, because he was cast away from the dustman and, uh, he is now serving as a spy for the many as one. Um, and I forget, how do you, how do you trick him? You say, Oh, somebody wants you. And then you, yeah, it's kind of a fun little, it's like an adventure game moment. Yeah. Like you, you, there's a, one of the skeletons is walking around and he's considering, you know, the true death, I guess the undead, (laughs) it's just their willpower that keeps them alive. And if they decide they can just die and be gone forever. So, uh, you just tell them like, Hey, uh, there's a guy who, uh, you will probably listen to you. And then you search his, uh, his chambers. Um, one of the things we didn't mention, um, so there are these factions in the game. You can join them, and you, you, you will join you know, if, you, if you want to, if you decide to pursue that, several of them throughout the course of the game. Um, one of the final quests you're doing if you want to join the Dustmen is to find the Swago. They're looking for Swago. So not only are you, is, does he happen to be here, which is a nice coincidence, but uh, finding him and taking care of that is also the final thing you need to join the Dustmen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Did you end up joining factions? I think there are five you can do in the game. I haven't joined the factions. I'm at the point of, at the point of the game that I'm at. I think the sensates look like my uh, look like my jam. So one of the things I'll say, and this is not immediately obvious, okay. is there's no reason not to join all of them. Like okay. you can only have one at a time, but the the quest and the experience of going, you know, what they want you to do to get there is is usually really neat. Oh, okay. So so. so um, the kind of like the textbook, the way that I always end up playing, there's no right way to play it, but the way that I always end up playing is just joining them in the order I find them. Okay. So I always join, I, I don't like the dustman. I don't like their <laughs> philosophy or anything like that, but it's, it's fun. You know, you get access to like an ability for a while, while you are them. And then, uh, like a unique store that has kind of uh, themed items. Oh, cool. So. Huh. Does, uh, d- does the dustman store have kind of like it's, it's Buddhist items except up until, up until that last point? Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's a no. It's it's just like your regular stuff, and then like right. dustman earring. I got you. So. <laughs> right. Bandage, bandage, bandage. Yeah, so I did know, I did not know that about the factions. I'm gonna have to go back. I don't know if I can, um, if I can 
if I can do the dustman, do they require Suigo's head? Because that is long ago <laughs> in the mist. It is. Um, <laughs> no, they just want to know. But they'll have if you if you didn't pursue that at all in their bar, they have like a series of quests leading up to it. Uh-huh. One of the things that's generally cool about this game is that when you're doing minor side quests, they tend to be uh, taken care of just kind of through dialogue in the same area where you're given. Nice. It. So go, you know, if you go to the Gathering Dust bar, um, you know there are lots of dialogue and kind of philosophy heavy. You know, little side quests that lead up to you joining them. I love the idea of a dustman bar. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's and, and the game comments on that. I mean, as yeah. soon as you go in, Mort is just like, "What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> why would you ever want to be in a, a bar full of dustmen? Like, um, dustmen are the blandest." Um, but uh, you eventually gain the trust of of the uh, of the of the dead people, and you can come and go as you please. You can rest if you so choose, uh, which mm-hmm. is important if you're a mage. Um, and uh, you can proceed even deeper into the uh, into the crust of the earth to the drowned nations, which is this area of the dead nations uh, that has been flooded by uh, by some unknown source of infinite water. Um, right, right. <laughs> which which is important. Um, getting that infinite uh, item of infinite water is uh, is important while you're while you're down here. Um, one of the other cool things you do when you're down here is you find uh, a corpse of you. <laughs> you find one of your one of your bodies. A corpse wow. of you. I like that. Yes, yeah, that's that's my new emo band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drown Nations is actually the band. A corpse of you is the album. So. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, you find you find a corpse of yourself, which is you know very interesting, and uh, you find your severed arm, on that, which turns out to be important later. Yeah. So you pick up your own arm and you carry it around. Nothing weird with that. You just stash it in your bag next to your intestines <laughs> and your eyeball. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you pre- you proceed kind of down here and you fight some of the most irritating enemies in the goddamn world. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, combatty, and you can mostly run away from this, but not entirely. There, there's so many of them that they gang up on you, and because you cannot run through enemies in the uh, in the Infinity Engine, uh, you will end up uh, dying. Um, but after you, you know, you eventually get this decanter and this uh, this bronze sphere. Um, you have to kind of go through this this trial. You have to go through this this gate alone. Remind me what prompts that? Like what is telling you to go through that? Nothing really. It's just like this. It's a gate at the bottom, and it's at the end of the area. You you know you found what you're looking for, but you know because of the video game convention of like oh well there there are areas of the map that I haven't uh, that I haven't cleared yet. You mouse over this area, and it turns into the proceed through here. And the nameless one says, "I must go through here alone," or something like that. Then you just go through. There's no narrative reason for you to do it. Um, and in fact, the first time that I, that I attempted to do it, I got through the entire area and it started crashing on me, uh, the, you know, every time I tried to leave. So I ended up reloading before I went through it, did the entire catacombs again. Oh, geez. Um, or did the entire drowned nations again, rather. Um, and then left and didn't come back to it until later when, uh, apparently I didn't crash after, oh. after I left. But you can do it now. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a really important plot point. Um, yeah, but you don't yeah. have to do it until later when somebody says that you must go to this tomb to find a very valuable uh, piece of uh, anatomy. Mm. And this is this is a, a area that kind of like a, a, a kind of maze, but a little chamber that you you have created. Um, and it has uh, within the walls of it are uh, you know kind of diary entries that you've written and notes to yourself. Um, and the kind of the way you advance is kind of weird. Like you do it by dying. You step on these giant symbols on the ground, which you later learn is, is the symbol of torment. 
and uh, it kills you and advances the plot a little bit. And you learn a lot about, um, you know, not a lot, like the pieces of your past self, the kind of hints, um, you know, as to why why you're immortal, um, and kind of the first hints that some of these people who you used to be were not good people. Right, and that that was really interesting to me, and I really like to. I would really like to see where they go with this. You apparently have different personalities on every on every incarnation. Right, and that's why I was talking about how they kind of take that. You can play this game however you like. You can do that because it's a video game. But every time the nameless one wakes up, he can be a different person, and uh, that ties into what I you know when the second episode where we get English majory, um, <laughs> the kind of central metaphor to this game, like the reason you know I talked about in Silent Hill how. You know, if a video game can affect me and make me think of real life, that's the the measure for quality. And the central metaphor of this game is incredibly strong. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to talk about it. This is going to make four episodes where I reference the cycle of Samsara, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> right now is three, um, and then the next one's going to be four. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's 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 really it's really interesting. You don't find out that it's the symbol of torment until you uh, until you take the arm to the tattooist, right? Correct. So um, after going through this part, you're you're able to leave. Um, you uh, Farad wants the sphere, and this is where where a hiccup happened. In your playthrough, not a hiccup, but uh, something that you know that, that I did not do. Yeah, something something that again because because I went to beforeiplay.com and uh, printed out a helpful uh, list, you know, hint of you know, a list of hints rather of the of things to keep in mind. Um, you're 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 told basically, and it's and it's important to keep a hold of the bronze sphere at all costs. But uh, at this point in the narrative, you're forced to give the bronze sphere over to Farad because that's the piece of plot coupon that he needed to proceed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I handed it to him. I was like, oh, well, I, and I tried a bunch of different permutations of the, the dialogue tree. I couldn't get it back. Like there was no way that I could hold on to the bronze sphere. So at the end I was like, well, if I need it so badly, I'll just kill Farad. Right. Farad, Farad does nothing to engender you to him at this point. No. You know, he's pretty scummy. So <laughs> he may be somebody you want to kill anyway. Well, because, because uh, he says, I'll tell you everything I know about you. If you go and do all this stuff and you bring it back to him, he says, yeah, I really don't know all that much about you. Um, Thanks for the thing. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an <laughs> asshole. And he's pretty much been, like, selling and reselling you. So you're just kind of this, you know, this uh, continuous source of income for you're, him. You're a cash cow. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he's using you as a crop. Like, you're like tobacco to the in the reconstruction to him. Um, sorghum's coming in good this year. Nameless one's coming in fine, too. <laughs> Name, nameless sorghum. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, so you killed him. You don't have to at this point. You don't, if you're playing through blind, you don't know that the, you know, you need the bronze sphere at any cost. And, uh, what he actually gives you, the piece of information is he tells you, uh, his daughter, um, who you met previously, just briefly, her name is Anna. She's a tiefling, which means she's part demon and she's voiced by Sheena Easton, pop sensation. And, uh, <laughs> and she kind of, she has this like kind of fun Irish, Irish, sassy Irish voice. Yeah. All of the companions all have very distinct voices, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, uh, you know, she's going to tell take you to where she found you and uh, where he originally gathered you to look for this journal. He says he does not have your journal um, and uh, sends you there. And uh, you find out that, you know, you go through a kind of annoying part where you have to go through another faction's headquarters, yeah. which are the, the uh, not the, the chaos men, the chaos attacks. Yeah, the chaos men are like the stray, the, the stray dogs barking. Yes. Yes, yep. that's, the, that's the name of the faction, but. Yes. Yep. And they are uh, the they're thugs, essentially, most of the thugs you fight, and they are 100% chaos. Um, it's actually possible to join them. 
yeah. um, if you are uh, sufficiently chaotic at this point. And it's really fun the way you do it because you just have to kind of out crazy the, the faction leader <laughs> as he's talking to you. So, you know, he barks at you and you make, you know, you uh, punch him in the face and then scratch his leg. And then like you get all these kind of crazy dialogue options and eventually you can become one of them. And that gets you through this next part. No problem. Huh. But uh, it also, you know, if you're at all interested in being lawful or getting any rewards along with that, you will pretty much never be lawful in the game. If you do this, this swings your chaos meter all the way to the left. Okay. So, so, so like by, by, by joining the, by joining the chaos meter, by joining the, the barking dogs or whatever their name is, um, you like it, it affects the way that people view you. Are there any, are there any other factions that affect the way that people interact with you? <sighs> No, I think that it doesn't, they don't necessarily know that you are a chaosman. I don't think that's why it, it affects you. I think you have to do enough chaotic actions to, to even join. And even within the dialogue of doing that, that you have become that chaotic at that point. Okay. Um, people don't, there don't be, uh, characters don't necessarily wear kind of badges or anything like that to show which faction right. they're part of. So that would be a neat uh, little wrinkle if people did react to you and certain people liked certain factions more. Um, but that does not really happen. They don't really do anything about that. <laughs> there are enough moving parts in the game. Yeah, already. I know. That, that's it. I didn't miss it. Yeah. Um, but kind of the, the short thing is you have to go through another fight zone. Yeah. And uh, it's it's avoidable, but kind of difficult to avoid. And uh, it's hard and it sucks. Combat sucks. We're not going to keep saying that no. <laughs> um, in the game. But it, it is frustrating. It, it does bear repeating. We just won't repeat it. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple points later, which I will say, because that's when it actually made me really mad. Well, I but, mean, uh, like the, the the frustrating part is, you know, I, I I I love the promise of a game where like you can either combat your way through it or like non-combat your way through it, mm-hmm. and even the non-combaty way through this, you still have to fight people. And I ended up reloading and reloading and reloading. It's the bloodlines problem, like yeah. where it uh, it makes this promise that you're going to have. 100% agency in how you solve your problems and then uh, kind of takes that away yeah. after you've made choices that already commit you to that path. Mm-hmm. So, agreed. Yeah. Um, but the part after this where you actually find your body is a really cool section. It's, a, it's an alley. This. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, so goddamn good. <laughs> it's an alley and there are these creatures. So, we, we're all over the place. So, there's the Sigil is governed by this thing called the Lady of Pain. Um, she's effectively a god, but she bans worship. You can't worship her. Um, so she doesn't treat herself like a god and she just maintains, just kind of maintains the city and maintains order. She has these creatures called Dabas, uh, which are these floating alien things that just go around cleaning things and repairing things and, you know, keeping order essentially. And, uh, there's an alley where they are constantly at work trying to, to maintain and fix things. Um, but things are kind of going wrong. Like you find a dead Dabas, which is a big deal. Like if you kill a Dabas, the lady will come for you. And uh, in an interesting thing that you may or may not experience later, that does not mean game over. But uh, yeah, so and you did all of this, right? Yeah, yeah, I did all of this. Um, I was really, really intrigued by this because I loved the the text around when you found the dead Dabas. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, like, you you can interact with it. You use your story as bones tell um, skill to like f- figure out its last memories, its last moments. Um, and I loved that idea of it uh, walking into this house and then having the house constantly, like the door constantly elude it um, mm-hmm. until it just died of starvation. Um, right, which which is awesome. And the reason that's happening is that the alley is sentient and is trying to to kill these Dabas, which are destroying its attempts to give birth. Like the alley <laughs> wants to give to give birth to a new location, and the Dabas are fucking that up. 
Yeah. Again, like if you're listening to this and I haven't played this game, like why does that not make you want to play this game? Like how is that not the coolest like little side thing you've ever heard? You know, it's awesome. Like that's fucking awesome. It's it's straight out of Grant Morrison. Like it's like if you've ever read uh, Doom Patrol, there's a there's a I'm rereading that now. And there's a character called Danny the Street, which is a sentient street that travels around the world, and it's just like the greatest. Like I'm like that's a fucking amazing idea. Like I love this, and it talks through like you know uh, the street signs and and through. You know, uh, steam escaping from vents and stuff. It talks in text to talk to you. Like, I just don't, there's certain ideas that I just feel like anybody who looks at them and shrugs, like, I just, I will never relate to you. <laughs> you know, if, if you're not at least a little bit intrigued by this idea of there's an alley trying to give birth by expanding itself and killing, you know, creatures that are trying to just repair things essentially so we can give birth, like, I, there's no hope for you. Yeah, you know I we're mean, done. <laughs> we're done. If you don't, if you don't like the idea of like of like you know the the, the genus locus, the just the the idea of location as place or location as personality or you know mm-hmm. you know having agency and just the idea that things are changing around you and constantly uh, constantly evolving, a la House of Leaves bingo card. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 too is like you just like super intriguing to me. Just uh, and this is this is laid out you know but b- beforehand when you ask people about the Dabas, you know just you know they have this plan for constantly tearing down and rebuilding the hive uh as as it sees fit but this is the first idea or this is the first uh the first indication that sigil is itself um this thing that is you know tearing down and rebuilding itself um right. through this metaphor of uh of you know of birth <laughs> essentially it's uh it's it's awesome yeah. it's it's incredible um the actual little bit of plot detail you get from this is not that interesting like you i mean it's important to the game but you essentially find out that you've been killed by shadows and you will find out. I don't think Cole's there yet, but you'll find out what the story is with that. And that uh, you need to actually seek someone named Ravel Puzzlewell to learn more about that. Who is a shadow hag who has apparently been mazed, which means that uh, the, the the Lady of Pain has created, again, awesomely, um, a pocket <laughs> dimension within Sigil uh, that is uh, an, infinitely, an infinitely complex maze with one exit that you will probably starve to death before you find. Right. So, again, super cool idea. And, uh, and that has happened to her. So this kind of sets you up for the second part of the game. Um, you can go back to Farad at this point and you find he has been, you get a little cutscene that he gets killed by shadows. So Cole didn't get that because he, he killed Farad. <laughs> but if, if you don't do that, uh, Farad dies anyway. You can go back and get the bronze sphere. Right. Um, and Anna joins you at this part, point. Um, you have this decanter of endless water. And, uh, if you're thinking, you know, uh, intuitively, you think you may be able to use it on um, this flaming corpse, but you need to find the keyword for that first. So, uh, and they even tell you there's probably somebody in the uh, Civic Fest Hall who knows that, which is in a later area. Right. So you're off. You know, you spend most of the game in this first part, and now you're off to the second part, which is the lower ward. Right. Um, now, this is mostly stuff that I've played in the past couple of days, so you think my my, my memory would be fresher. Um. <laughs> well, there's yeah. one uh, like one really cool event that happens right off the bat. Oh, which yeah. is uh, somebody comes up and distracts you, and then somebody else kidnaps Mort. <laughs> There's uh, a skull collector about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and this I like this part a lot. I don't yeah. know what what you thought of this character and yeah. and the stuff involved in him, but I thought this was really neat. Mm-hmm. No, I liked it a lot. Um, you know, and and again, it goes back to you know just the 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 primary point of the game being find an infamous person. So you walk around and you talk to named NPCs, and you mention, hey. Um, do you know anybody who might have like stolen a skull that was important to me? And they say, Oh yeah, there's this wrecked out house. Um, 
there's not much to do in the lower ward that I found, like, as far as, as far as, like, side quest stuff goes. Um, I've, I ended up, like, freeing a woman from slavery, mm-hmm. um, by, uh, by, by, by tricking, uh, 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 a halfwit into giving me her, uh, her loan papers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, so that, 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 that was a fun quest. Um, and also I liked, uh, I liked, uh, getting some new taunts for Mort in the marketplace. Um, yeah, this, Mort has this ability that's just like a taunt ability that, you know, can make uh, characters aggro him. Um, it's the kind of ability that if you were playing a lesser game like Dragon Age, every character would have some variation of it. Um, because the game is all about managing aggro. And, uh, the, uh, uh, you the way you get more taunts for him is to purposely be around abuse. So if you hang out <laughs> with characters that are arguing, he will get more powerful at this ability. Um, I want to talk just, and speaking of more abilities, kind of segueing, I want to talk a little bit more about that skull collector guy. Yeah. Um, he puts that, you know, puts it more on the shelf with these other skulls. Once you retrieve, you know, he'll only give you more back in exchange for another interesting skull. And you've been collecting interesting skulls. You know, <laughs> if you, uh, you can get a skull from, uh, Swago, you can get a skull from all of the people in the, all the major leaders in the dead nations. Um, if you kill them, uh, since I was playing through evil, um, I exposed Swago and then killed all of them. Uh-huh. And, uh, you, all their, you know, all their skulls, they all count. Um, two interesting things come from this though is one, um, Mort gets this skull mob ability where he can summon all of his friends <laughs> that were on the shelf uh, to attack. But the other thing is, if you go down into this guy's basement, um, you get this item that's called, like, the Tome of Vile Darkness or something like that. And uh, it is, a, when he was talking about rewarding evil, it is an awesome item. Like, I don't know, did you get this? No, no, I didn't. This sounds, um, I, I know that, like, the Tome of Vile Darkness is an infamous, like, D&D book, but... Go, um, even though you won't use it, like save the game and do some interacting with it because okay. it makes you evil to use it. Okay. But uh, essentially what it does is the, uh, and I'm going to spoil it because I want to talk about it on the podcast, but okay. the, um, it, you can talk, you can kind of read it and it just, you get some experience and it's, it's a, you know, this essentially like it, the way it's portrayed is kind of amoral and you can, you can ask it for advice and it's a sentient, it's a sentient book and you can ask it for advice and it gives you these kind of like increasingly dark little advicelets like you know honestly the only real choice is to rely on yourself if you're not relying on yourself how can else can you have complete control and then like it just keeps getting more and more insidious and you start feeling sicker and sicker reading it okay um and that's that's all there is to that is that and i didn't find an end to it i didn't ask it for advice you know 50 times and it told me 50 you know little uh and randisms <laughs> with, with increasing severity um the other thing is you can ask for power and it starts asking for sacrifices. So, like, the first thing is really minor. It's like, okay, um, you know, I want a drop of your blood. And uh, you give it a drop of your blood, and you lose one hit point, and it gives you a spell. And then uh, you say, it says, okay, well, why, I want you to attack one of your uh, companions. And you're like, okay, I'll do so. And then it's like, okay, sell one of your companions into slavery. And because I'm evil, like, I'm just like, that's I'm on board. So I didn't do that until later, until I got Nordum. Which sucks because Nordum's awesome, and we'll talk about him when you eventually get him. But uh, out of the characters I could sell into slavery, he was the one who I was most interested in doing that to. So I, I sold him into into slavery, and it's like, okay, that's pretty good. Here's a really powerful spell: kill somebody, or no, uh, yeah, kill one of your companions. And I'm just like, you know, and, yeah, let's let's do it. And uh, you can you can resurrect them at that point. Selling somebody into slavery, you'll never get them back. Okay. But, uh, you can you can kill them, and uh, they're they're pissed. But if you if they like you enough, you know, it's fine. Okay. And, uh, but it's just, it's making you just daring you to do these increasingly evil things in exchange for power. Um, 
Until the I mean, and then actually in game you're getting spells you'll never gain enough levels to actually use. So uh, you know that's fine. But it's just, it's it was such a cool thing and just that like tell me tell me some advice and just the way that it's kind of reasonable but just like Fox Newsish is just really really fun. Like it is a it is an awesome item. It's one of my favorite items in video game history. Huh? Totally missable. Like total obviously like you didn't see it. Like totally optional yeah. and just tons of depth. Man, just. So much stuff in this goddamn game. It is, like, it is the richest game. It's like, like it, you like you like you talk about like how how this game wants to be experienced, but just there are whole avenues that you can just. <laughs> I well, don't that's know. What I was about how it encourages replay. You know, like yeah. you can do that first roll through as a, as a fighter, like an idiot, yeah. and then you know, but you're going to see glimpses of things you'd rather have done, and uh, and want to play it again. I, I just I, I I'm surprised at myself for being mad at this game for being good. Like, <laughs> yeah, it make it totally makes me feel dumb. Like it, it is, it is so good. Like, it, and it just you know, it's not not everybody gets it, and and we'll get into user comments relatively soon, soon here because we're gonna kind of wrap up the lower ward and talk a little bit about the clerk's ward, um, and then talk real fast for the second episode. Um, but the uh, uh, you know, there are people who just can't get past these like flaw things, and I understand that. But you're not gonna find anything like richer than this. I don't right. think. Like, make that sacrifice because you were just. There's just so much depth and it's so good. Like nothing is clumsy or dumb in the game. Like I'm never, nothing is not worth it in the game. Like you go through something, you go explore something and you're going to get some kind of enjoyment or a neat idea or, uh, you know, some kind of, you know, just like some really, really uh, flavorful, poetic, you know, kind of aesthetically pleasing text. You know, even if it just ends up being a description of something that's really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, every item has a, has a, a long description. Every character you run into, every monster has like a bestiary entry and they're all well-written and they're all, you know, great. Every companion you have has just pages and pages of like backstory and ways that you can manipulate them and, and, and do things and find out, you know, what their connection is to the larger plot. It's all there. You just have to want to dig for it. Yeah. And if you have the kind of mentality that I have, you know, it just, it, you, you want to get all of it. And doing that, it's like I haven't been reminded, like New Vegas reminded me of this because of that. Like New Vegas, there's a lot of depth. And uh, that's just that's something I just, I value so much. Like I love that in a video game, you know? Okay, so this this being your fourth or fifth playthrough, and, you know, this this, this is probably, you know, episode two territory. Do, do, you, do you feel like you've seen it all? Do you, I mean, do you, do you feel like you've cracked the nut? Between, between, um, between playing through it and then... Um, Read like I something I will do in video games, and I don't know if you do this, but I uh, after I play through a game once, then I will look at a guide usually, yeah, because I'm not going to be ready to look at it just again. And this game happens to be um, fortunate enough to be an Infinity Engine game and have a fucking insane guide by a guy named Dan Simpson or D. Simpson. <laughs> That's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, that guy is a maniac, but he he's really really he's the like there's a guy who does those for the Fallout's named Per Joiner, uh-huh. um, but there's some people who have made some really really in depth guides. And I've read them cover to cover. <laughs> like, I was, like, so into this, and I'm just like, what did I... So I played through it once, got a lot out of it, and then, like, started kind of looking through it. If I saw something I thought was really neat, I wouldn't uh, completely spoil it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you do, like, there's stuff like... I'd never done an evil playthrough, so I'd never done this book before. I'd always gotten the book and read, like, the paragraph and the guy just says, you know, oh, you get evil for using it. It's not worth it. And, uh, you know, but this time playing through it, it's still this, you know, I still got new things from playing it this time. Mm-hmm. So I totally believe I could play through again and, uh, and, and do some things I hadn't done before. Wow. Like no problem. Just so much depth. It's like, it's daunting. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is just, 
is the deepest thing. Oh man, I I just yeah, it's daunting. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I guess it sounds like I'm saying that as a negative thing, but just uh, I'm a slow read. I'm a slow reader, Gary. I'm a slow it, reader. It just it impresses me more than anything. Yeah. Like it just like it reminds me a little like when we talked about Shadowrun a little bit. Like that game impressed me with all these things that were just very ahead of its time. Yeah, but it was way more flawed. Like this has a flaw that's just for some reason very easy for me to ignore. Yeah. Um. And and just it's like watching Arrested Development or something. I just I feel fucking dumb. <laughs> like I feel like I'm I'm half the time I'm just like actually entertained, and the other half I just feel stupid. Like I will never do anything this great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like ugh. there's so much care that went into it. There's so much thought. Like everything is accounted for. It's so meticulous. I just uh. Yeah. And God, God bless these men and, and women who made this game. My favorite, like Chris Avalonia, is just like. That guy is my game hero. Like he's like I like him more than I like you know Warren Spector or uh, you know uh, uh, Tim Schafer. Tim Schafer, exactly. Like the Chris Avaloni is my man. Like yeah. that guy makes games the way that I want games to be. Huh. Um. So and and he's he's worked on like all you know all of my favorite games really like you know games like there's just something to a game that that guy worked on. Yeah, and and that, that that's something that's I mean it's I, I was about to say it's rare in games, but you know we just named like five people. Um, but it's still really rare for a medium though. Yeah. Like name how, like how many authors can you name that have like a distinctive voice that you really love versus how many like game creators? I guess. Yeah. But it just, uh, just the, the, the auteur theory, you know, right. You, you have Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch bingo card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, uh, but just, it's, it's something that's so common in film and, you know, like with David Milch and, 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 and television, um, but just in games, it's 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 so rare. Like what you have you have you have fucking Tim Schafer and Hideo Kojima as auteurs, right. <laughs> you right. know, right? And this guy, you know, his his vision is not as specific as far as like a sense of aesthetics or anything like that. Um, you know, it's not like David Lynch where there's kind of a way those movies look and a tone. It's more just like he the things that are fun for him are fun for me. Like I get so jazzed on this. Like I'm making choices that matter. They're not obvious. Um, there's a lot to explore. There's a lot here that just does it for me, you know, in just a big, bad way. And I hate that like black Isle interplay and everything, you know, became Bioware and that, you know, I don't have a lot to, but I haven't liked a Bioware game like after the infinity engine, really. Like I just, I don't, you know, Neverwinter nights is the blandest thing. I know you have a lot of history with it, but the actual out of the box quest for it should never have been released. Like that's a bad game. And, and the, uh, uh, you know, I, I, couldn't get into Knights of the Old Republic. I don't like Dragon Age. Like, there's something that they lose, and it's they keep the the dialogue and they keep the rich world, but they make your choices not matter. Mm-hmm. And they make you know they switch all that stuff to binary, and it just like you know it just ceases to become interesting. Like, if I'm not if it's not me exploring the world, what's the point of it? Like, if if I can't bring my own perspective to it and do it in a way that's interesting to me, it's just it, then it becomes reading a book. Like people talk about this game, like oh this should have been a book. It's so novelistic. Like, why is it even a game? And it's like, because you do have a way that you choose to interact with it. Like, my cat. That wasn't supposed to be a comedy sound effect. Right? Boing. <laughs> you have a way that you choose to interact with it. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you, know you, uh, you choose how you're going to treat characters, and that's going to choose what they reveal to you. Right. You know, you choose the, the path you're going to take through the world, like what you're going to explore, what is interesting to you. You know, it's like the best interactive novel. Yeah. Like... You know, in just in just a way that doesn't, like, you know, I liked it when people in Dragon Age talked to each other. Like, it was clever dialogue. I liked those characters just fine. Yeah. You know, but I wasn't anything. You know, it didn't matter. Gary didn't matter to that game. That game could have just played itself. 
mm-hmm. you know, and that's the difference. Like, you know, and then to a lesser extent, like someday we'll do Fallout, like once we're not Infinity Engine out. And I feel <laughs> a lot of the same things for Fallout. Like, I think this game does that specific thing a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like those games, those early like Black Isle like games just blow my fucking mind. Like something about those games, it just makes them work for me. It hurts, Cole. It hurts to like something this much. Like I, I, I can't, I can't match your energy. I can't match your passion. I love it. Um, I just, I, I, I've, I've made my love for visual novels known. Bingo card. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, Would you go as far as to say you made them love craft? Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a Mister Show. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're, we're referencing there's a, there's a bingo card that Gary made for when yes. you listen to this. We can make it into a drinking game too, if you would like. Um, <laughs> no, no, uh, just, I, I love, I love that aspect of it, but, uh, and, and I just, I, I, I can't, I can't match your passion for it. Even if, even if I do love, love this game, yeah. you know, well, and, I mean, and, few, and have few people it. can, like there's a lot of people who like this, but they're not going to, yeah. you know, it's just, I, I recognize that it's not objective and I recognize the flaws in it. Totally. Yeah. Like they, you know, they annoy it's, me it's, just as well. But. It's not about the flaws though. It's not yeah. like, like, you know, I, I see it. I can, I can, I can love a game despite its flaws. My favorite genre in, in, you know, survival horror, you know, it's, 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 it's renowned for its flaws, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, and, and, and I love, I love them in spite of it. It's, it's, it's not about that. I think it's just, I think it's just from the fact that, you know, I've, I've, you know, yes, I've played, I've played the game five different times, but I only got, you know, through the mortuary once, you right. know, just like, I, I haven't experienced the whole of it. I haven't seen it as Dakon would say, I don't know it. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, and like, and, and maybe in knowing it and in seeing the whole, like, <laughs> you know, I've, I've played less than half of this game. So like, I don't, I don't have as much perspective on it. It'll you know? be interesting to see, see what, when we get to episode two, like what you end up thinking of it. And I won't, you know, I, as much as I think this is undeniably, you know, this like a pretty great work, like I'm not going to hold it against anybody who doesn't. It's just, I recognize there's something in my wiring that makes this the perfect balance of like game and story. Right. Like there's just something, something in my wiring that does that. And it's not going to be the same, same for everybody. Um, but it, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see, to see what happens with that. Yeah. Because I, I I'm predisposed to like it. My worry is that uh, it's been built up too much. Which that's true. Is, it's, I, I did a, just. It, <laughs> you should worry that's been built up too much in the last four minutes because I, <laughs> I did just uh, passionately freak out about it. No, no, that's that's perfectly fine. Like I, like I, I understand it, and that's that, that's a really superficial concern. Like you know, you can say like, "Oh, I've never seen The Godfather," but I'm afraid to. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to watch it because it's been built up too much. We well, should still watch the fucking Godfather, right? You know, <laughs> Come on, you idiot. It's still the Godfather. Yeah, I mean, I just and I'm and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not ready to call this the the Citizen Kane of gaming, um, Metroid Prime. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, you, you know, just it's it's just one of those things. It's it's a stupid concern. You should still play. You should still love it. Um, and, and I, and I still do. It's just a, it's just a matter of, uh, I, I don't know. I like to play things and experience them and feel like I'm the first person to have been there. Right. You know? Right. And that, yeah, and that, and that makes sense. And coming at it fresh, like I'll never come at this fresh. Yeah. You know, I, my, my history and love of it was probably built at like a time, you know, I first saw it, like, who knows if, if I had gone back and played, played through things backwards and I had played something like, you know, uh, like a Dragon Age or, or the game that I'm, you know, unfavorably comparing this to, um, and and play that first. Maybe it would I would have a different opinion. Like this is just kind of, at the time I really got into PC games, the Infinity Engine games were there for me in a big bad way. Yeah. You know, 
and just introduced me to this whole other idea of role playing games. Like I grew up, you know, with with JRPGs, and that was that was my bread and butter. And I still appreciate a lot about those games, but they just they don't. I still feel like I don't matter during them, and that's just kind of a, a gross feeling to me. You know, now as I get older, it's less tolerable to me. Which I mean, it's it's kind of heartbreaking to me as you know, as as a as an outsider, you know, like like watch watching you and your narrative with games, knowing that you're like not going to favorably look upon Mass Effect because I think that it, I think that that is Bioware recognizing that they anonymized you too much, you know, once they broke away from the Infinity Engine. And like I said, okay, we're going to recognize that because of modern production standards, we can't record all of this spoken dialogue. You know, imagine, like, how much it would have cost if they recorded everything in Planescape. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, just... Uh, uh, now, now on, you know, 12 CD-ROMs, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it come out. Exactly. Compressed 8 bits, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... <laughs> it's like Final um, Fantasy fucking 12 in here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, but, but, uh, um, it's, it's them, it's them, you know, taking this and like, okay, we're going to make you matter because you're not playing as Shepard, you're directing Shepard. And, mm. you, you know, just like, we're going to take this, we're going to own it, and we're going to make it more interesting. So you're not just selecting text and having an ugly face, you know, like, not speak it and people react to it like it, like in Dragon Age. But uh, we're going we're gonna to take this and we're going to make it entertaining to watch. And uh, right. a lot of that has to do with the way they obfuscated the dialogue. Um, but in this one, it, it definitely is text versus text versus film. Um, right. And, and, and I, have, I haven't given up on playing Mass Effect. Like, I'm, I'm interested enough, and, and you've, you've talked about it enough. But it just... It's just, it's, it's fr- like, I, everything I know about Ma- Mass Effect that I'm judging it is just based on Dragon Age. Yeah. Which is like saying everything I know about pizza I'm judging from chicken. Like, it's a fucking dumb thing to think. But Every- it's just, I, you know, I, I just, I, I have this association. Like, you know, I played Dragon Age first because I like fantasy more than I like sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and just kind of had these huge high hopes for it and then just, just got kind of betrayed by it. Yeah. So I'm, st- I'm still hurt is what I'm, what I'm getting at. <laughs> like, I'm not ready to get into a relationship with Bioware yet. Once, once, bitten, twice, once bitten, twice shy. Um, yeah, and you find, uh, you know, but usually my my first thing when i look there's first thing that you want to get to a new areas open up the mini map and uh look at the names of the different places and i saw something uh called let me see here uh the brothel of slaking intellectual lusts i was like hmm that sounds like a place i want to be <laughs> <laughs> i have intellectual lust yes i'm brain and, horny and it's a uh, <laughs> brain uh, horny <laughs> cranium um, ratty um yeah <laughs> gross uh, um so, <laughs> uh but you go into this brothel and you find this uh this this woman who you know is um uh, a pc somebody you can recruit a because she's voiced and b because she's added to your best area as a pc uh her name is fall from grace uh she is uh, a good succubus who uh started up this brothel quote unquote that is actually a language school for women um, yeah. and you don't <laughs> go there to have sex. You go there to engage in uh philosophical discussion or, or, or any number of things. It's all, yeah. uh, you know, these, these girls, uh, fulfill different desires that you have other than erotic ones. So some of them, uh, there's one that just abuses you and she's part <laughs> demon. And there's one that, uh, will tell you play games with you. And one that tells you stories and, uh, one that has, uh, you know, just like a, like, you know, a great voice and all these things. And again, just that idea of inversion, 
<laughs> you know, like you find one whorehouse in this entire CD world and you can't have sex there. <laughs> you know, it's not and not about that. Um, what the kind of the game gets kind of transparent in this, and this is something I didn't notice. Um, we talked about it before, but our buddy uh, Will has a blog called Backlog Killer, and uh, he decided to do this game uh, as long as you know at the same time we did. And uh, we can't recommend I can't recommend that enough. It's a great, 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 great blog, and and his playthrough of this game is really interesting to read. And I'd recommend supplementing this podcast with it because you know it's longer, and he's able to kind of go into details of things we have to gloss over. Something that I'm cribbing from him, that this is his observation, not mine, is that this is about the most transparent the game gets in going out of its way to make you experience it. Because in order to recruit Falls from Grace, she literally says, talk to all of the, uh, all of my students and tell me what you think. And, uh, so you go to all these students and they all give you little kind of miniature quests that involve mostly talking to each other. And, uh, the game is really going out of its way to show off this, you know, you know, one of the greatest ideas in video game, like in fiction, you know, so of course, like in fiction, that's exaggeration, but <laughs> they're, they're going out of their way to show off this, this great idea, you know, so I'll forgive it for that. Like, you know, if I came up with the brothel of slicking uh, intellectual lusts, I would want to show it off to you. Yeah. It's got the goods to back it up yeah. <laughs> so you can forgive it. So again, going back to kind of one of the more transparent uh, aspects of the game, I like that word transparent. Um, you, you can ask all of these different prostitutes. Um, it feels bad. I feel bad calling them prostitutes, but I guess that's what they are. Yeah, um, and that's, I mean, that's what they call themselves. They're yeah. selling their services for, yeah. you know, for, well, they're not for money. So you go and talk to all these whores, um, yeah. and, <laughs> um, and uh, so you go and talk to all these whores, and um, you know they they all have like as you, as you mentioned they all have their own their own inter- interesting traits. But you can talk to them and ask them about this Ravel uh, puzzle 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 crafter puzzle puzzle smith. puzzle well yeah puzzle, she puzzle. puzzles well yes. Uh, yes. Dance it well. <laughs> Go squat on a halberd. That was my favorite. That's one of the notes that I have here. Uh, the one that insults you, the one, the one that does the, uh, you can, yeah. uh, more, more can learn taunts from you, but, uh, when she, like, one of my favorite things she says is go squat on a halberd. It's yeah. like, it's like an aside. She says, like, okay, see you later. Oh, and, uh, squat on a halberd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but there's one you find out, like, you know, you, you, you talk to them and say, oh, this one woman, you know, this one whore, uh, I'm not, I'm not sexist. I swear to God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, she, uh, you know, she, 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 she knows all about Ravel. Unfortunately, she can't speak. Right. Yeah. Right. Her, her tongue has been, uh, is missing. And you, part of the, the kind of, you have to figure out what to do about that. Yeah. Among, uh, amongst other things. Kind of through like a lot of little like fetch questing, but they, they really minimize the annoyance by making it with a very small, uh, you know, real estate and, uh, making the, the directions kind of obvious and fun. Like talking to the people, trying to figure things out. Like, yeah. You're, you're getting a lot of, of richness. Um, you know, you, you find out that, uh, one of the, the, uh, prostitutes is, uh, uh, related to Ravel is actually her half daughter. And, uh, that is how you ultimately get to her. And, uh, but you did not, did not pursue that far. Not that far. No. Um, okay. yeah, that's fine. No, I knew, I knew that it was going to be key because yeah. there, there, there was, there was a reason that you had to go and talk to everybody. They wanted to make sure. Um, so one of one of the best uh, prostitutes, one of my favorite. I love the storytelling uh, one. God, tail chaser. I like yeah. Mort's joke. That plays. I, I, yeah. I, I chased plenty of tail in my day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not only to set that up that joke, but like, it's just it's really cool because she has all these great little stories. It's a lot like that part in the longest journey when you're in the bird village. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know they're just telling telling you stories from that culture. But I love that you can tell your own. You can tell like things that you've already encountered in the game are optional, and you can ask all of your companions. Mm-hmm. 
to uh, to tell a story as well. And you can go, keep coming back to her as you do things in the game. Like when you go through major events in the game, you can come back to this woman, tell her new stories. When you get new companions, you can ask them to do new stories. Yeah, it's just it's really neat. Like it's a cool. Uh, there's also a fun bit um, way earlier in the game. You run into a character named Requind, <laughs> who is this uh, storyteller who's been cursed with like, you know, just monstrous farts and and bo, <laughs> and uh, and he tells you stories as well, and uh, you can tell her some of uh, his stories. Yeah, which is kind of uh, this weird little. Uh, you know, little thing. Yeah, I spent a good uh, fifteen minutes talking to uh, uh, Tail Chaser. Yeah, um, I liked how like the like the kinds of like not not even just like what the character said, but the kinds of stories that they that they told um, mm-hmm. when you asked them to. So Mort tells a joke, like like you know right. like a, like a you know like two guys walk into a bar, you, you know. Right, um, it's not quite that, but it is definitely yeah. like a jokey. Yeah. There's a punchline to it. Uh huh. And uh, and you know, Dakan he tells like uh, one of his you know awful gift parables. Um, <laughs> God, I fucking yeah, hate the gift. Racist against gift. <laughs> yeah, um, Gifthist. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then, you know, Anna. Anna's is really disturbing, actually. Yeah, Anna's is really disturbing. But one of my favorite things is how she tells it. Um, yeah. One of the things I plan on doing in the, the second half of this episode is doing kind of a companion roundup. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I you know, there's a, they're all really great and there's interesting things to say about all of them. And I love Anna because she's all brash and, and, and nails. You know, she's she's very aggressive and mean. But she's by far the most vulnerable character. Oh yeah, that you have. like she's really sensitive. And uh, as you come to find out later, and this is a minor spoiler, but um, during the course of the game, like she definitely falls in love with you. Oh yeah, like, and uh, that uh, is really the way that plays out. Like she never admits it. It's not a romance. It's not like you know. Again, it's not Dragon Age. It's not like you're choosing between these two characters to have a romance with. Like you know, it never goes anywhere, and it can't because of the nature of the character. But she still acts like that. Right. And she's really shy about wanting to tell the story. She doesn't want to be put on the spot. Um, you know, this, the characterization during that's really strong. Mm-hmm. And who knew that Sheena Easton was such a good voice actress? Like, so good. All the voice acting in this game is amazing. Like, we haven't talked about it, but it's all great. Like, did you do hear one line that is less than perfectly delivered? No, like, I mean it's it's, like, it's it's great. Yeah, it's <laughs> really really good. So I think we're we're gonna call it just about there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't get much further than that, and I apologize sincerely um, because I understand that the, the the area that's coming up next, like I've been to it, and I, I kind of I kind of you know through through you, Gary, and just your general knowledge, know that it's some, you know a very well regarded. Um, so I'm sorry that you won't get to hear it until you know two weeks from now. But uh, that's that them them's the shakes. Right, and it's going to be the thing. This first half of the game that we've done is much more side quest heavy. Um, after you, you know, you do find Ravel, the game becomes a lot more linear. Um, so the second half in some ways will be a little bit easier to do than the first. I apologize, you know, to listeners for how kind of ramshackle and, and disorganized this is. Um, you know, to varying degrees, Cole and I are still kind of going through, uh, life difficulties and, uh, have made, uh, time and, uh, you know, hard to find for, for some of this stuff. But, um, you know, we're going to go through that. We're going to do, there's a couple side quests I'm going to make you do. Okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell Cole about because I need to be able to talk about them. <laughs> and then uh, we'll, we'll cruise through the game. I want to talk about companions and then generalities. But for now, let's do a couple of uh, listener responses. For the listener responses, we're going to do this a little bit differently. Um, since anything that talks about the game in its totality or even talks about kind of the greatest parts of it will constitute a spoiler for Cole. Um, I'm just going to read a couple comments that we have. The listener comment section will probably be a little bit longer than it usually is for episode two. 
Um, but I just want to talk about a couple things that, uh, that are not spoilerific that people had to say. Um, we had a, a couple of people, um, a, uh, a user named Cuddles, you know, a couple of people who just talked about false starts with the game, which apparently is a uh, you know frequent problem. Uh, Wikipedia Brown um, says that he started the game many times and never made it very far, um, doesn't make it out of the morgue. Um, because the Infinity Engine RPGs suck the, the life force out of him. Um, and that's because they give that life force to me. Them spiting words. Yeah. yeah I, I drain uh, people who don't like the Infinity Engine. The Infinity Engine then just uh, renews me with vigor and vigor. Um, it sustains like, uh, you. Yes, yes. It's, uh, there's a, a post named Cuddles who had the same problem. Um, he or she says, you know, the same deal. Uh, tried and failed to get through the game three times. I can totally see why many people fell in love with it, but the whole thing feels like the most verbose Infocom game in the world with a far more clunky and tedious way of interacting with the environment or changing locations. Um, you know, again, fair enough. This, I, I can recognize no flaws in this game. <laughs> um, you know, you're right uh, that it is. it does have that flaw. Um, a, uh, a new responder to us with a name I cannot pronounce called Mirinirker. Um, Mirinirker. Um, um, has a thing to say. I'm going to censor this a little bit so we don't spoil it for Cole. Um, but he's a little bit more specific with, with his false starts, but actually kind of powered through to get through the game. And uh, he says, uh, I had a false start with Planescape Torment as well. The first time I played it, I stopped soon after the first disc change, which is upon entering the catacombs, if I'm not mistaken. What most likely made me quit was a combination of several things. One, not getting used to the low resolution with its gigantic sprites. I've never been somebody who sets the resolution as high as possible, but I definitely would have liked the widescreen fix for PST then. Widescreen wasn't a really big thing in those days, um, so it's understandable. Number two, not figuring out that you can run. Ugh. <laughs> um, I don't remember right now if there's a toggle to run or if you need to hold a button. <clears throat> Either way, I didn't bother reading the manual back then. So it's not that bad when you're in the morgue or the hive, since there's plenty to explore and lots of people to talk to in those areas. But places like the mausoleum, um, a small dungeon near the beginning, which we didn't talk about, um, can definitely become frustrating when you're stuck behind, uh, stuck walking those long, boring corridors. Uh, three, filling my inventory with every piece of junk I've come across and not finding a way to pawn it all off. Of course, the irony is that when I did get rid of it all, I ended up being stuck for a short while because you literally need a piece of junk to enter the track forms. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and a couple other places where seemingly innocuous items turn out to be plot important. I'm uh, not plot important, but kind of keys. Um, four, having zero experience with any of the other Infinity Engine games, PST plays quite a bit differently from Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale, would have been definitely made it a little bit easier to get into the game if I had played any of the engine already. In the end, it worked out for the best, though. Uh, by the time I gave Planescape Torment a second shot, I had read a suggestion to pump all of your stats into Wisdom, Intelligence, and Charisma. And as you all might know, if you like words and conversation in an RPG, uh, this is like buying a... Or if you like words and conversation in your RPG... That is like buying first-class tickets to tor on the Torment train, <laughs> uh, which I like. Um, the, uh, there's a, then there is a spoilerific paragraph, which I will not read. And uh, he mentions something that's oblique. He says, my only regret uh, about, and regret is emphasized, um, about Planescape Torment is that I missed out on Valior during my playthrough. Then again, it's a bit of a dick move by the developers to place a portal on top of a door that leads to his whereabouts. And that is 100% true, and that is one of the things I'm going to clue Cole in to make sure he gets Valiar. <laughs> um, we also had some responses on the Facebook page, which, again, I have to censor. The um, <laughs> If I've been dark on the Facebook page, it's because I'm avoiding t t comments about this. I didn't, yeah, even, this, yeah. I didn't even solicit for them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm definitely leading this up. Um, 
James Robinson, another new commenter, so we, we're really happy to, to have that happen, um, says something spoily, and then says, uh, the worst part of the game for me was losing Mort behind a building for a third of the, for a third of the game and spending ages randomly clicking around to find him. Um, yeah, don't, don't do that. Um, you click on his portrait and make him come to you. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, just had another thought. I remember being very impressed with the alignment system in this game. I think it's the first game that actually, uh, gave me a reference point for all that good evil or neutral order and chaos stuff. For example, the fact that the demons have been battling for years over if ordered evil is real evil, as true evil should have no structure and should be chaotic. Torment actually gave you better insight into each faction's motivations, leading to a much better fantasy story than we are used to in games. And that is, uh, of course, dead on the money. Yeah. Um, that is great. Like Things like good, evil, law, and chaos mean something in this game when they don't in other games. Um, he's referring to a thing called the Blood War. Um, the backdrop of, of Planescape is uh, there's a war between demons. And rather than being a war between good and evil, it's demons that believe that, uh, you know, believe in the ultimate sanctity of law, but are still total monsters, and uh, ones that are just, you know, slavering evil beasts. It's devils versus demons. Yes. Yep. So, um, so great comments, everybody. If you commented on the uh, the game, we will read it during the next port uh, portion, which will be kind of extra long, um, but we wanted to avoid spoilers. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much. And we are going to. Uh, hum a specific tune or hold a metal vial and walk through the deliberation portal and uh, figure out who's going to take it for this one. Women are the reason I became a monk and uh, the reason I switched back. Um, so, we, so we've made it out of that. Um, couldn't carry any more, so we had to drop it. <laughs> and uh, we're going to drop it on James Robinson from our, our Facebook group. Super astute point on the alignment system. His actual comment that is censored is, is good, too. I can't... Uh, Kent says that, though. Uh, Kent says that, though. Jesus Christ, I've been talking for a long time. Yeah, we have. Even, even if I managed to get this down to like an hour and 45 minutes, it's been a lot longer than that. So forgive me for saying things like, Kent says that, though. Um, so the other things Kent says that, though, um, we're going to give it to James. Uh, James, we will, uh, when you hear this, contact us on Facebook, send us a message, and we will gift you the not our next game, but a game of equivalent value. And segueing nicely, um, that is because our next game, Cole? Our next game, well, aside from the second half of Planescape Torment. Um, next game, not next episode. Yes, the next game um, I need to look on duckfeed.tv to find. And um, if you ever want to see our next game, you can go to duckfeed.tv to find. The, yes, uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 the most recent post has the, uh, the updated roster uh, for these. Um, so yeah, the next game that we're going to be playing uh, for the mid-May episode is going to be EVO, The Search for Eden, which is on uh, SNES, Super Nintendo, SNES if you're a fucking barbarian. Um, <laughs> but more more accurately on SNESticle, SN- or whatever your, your preferred Google <laughs> the, game player device. Exactly. Um, that, that is a game that Gary suggested. It's a game I've never heard of, but uh, definitely, as Gary says and is wont to say, it falls into the flawed gem category. Um, mm-hmm. It's a game about evolution. It's like a side-scrolling uh, platformer uh, kind of thing where you uh, where you choose. It's side-scrolling Spore. Um, yeah, yeah side-scrolling Spore, but like way better than Spore. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, way, way, way better than Spore. Yeah. Um, I, I, I said this every episode since we announced it. You have to play this on an emulator anyway because you're not. You know, if you if you had enough money to own this game, you would just be you know uh, snorting cocaine off of Shigeru Miramoto's <laughs> hat. So you thought I was going to go dirty with that yeah, yeah. Um, off of his hat right now because you'd be one of the five richest kings of Europe. And this game is very rare. <laughs> um, instead, you're going to Google it, 
which is uh, what we're going to do. And because you're Googling it, please play with save states because the boss fights are brutal and terrible. <laughs> so uh, I just want you to get through them to, uh, and, and this, and, and this, Torment is a game with flaws that is amazing anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to commit to EVO being that amazing of a game, but it's definitely interesting. What are we doing after that, Gary? Um, after that, we are going to do the Mac Adventure series, is what we're calling it. Um, it is the four Mac Adventure adventure games for NES. Um, they are Deja Vu 1 and 2, Uninvited, and Shadowgate. Um, we're going to do those probably in one episode, but possibly not. Um, they are all the same engine. They have fairly slight stories, and they're adventure games, so they're, you know, they're short adventure games that, uh, you can play through, you know, uh, in a few hours each one. Um, so we're going to do those all together in one, possibly two episodes, or maybe just one kind of lengthy episode. Yeah. After that, we're going to do one that I'm incredibly excited about. We're going to be playing PsyOps, yeah. uh, which is available on PS2. And Xbox, and I think there might be a PC version floating around, but it's not available on no. any digital platforms. No PC version? I don't think so. I was looking to see if I could find one because that's how I like to play video games. Yeah, but uh, did not find one. I'm super excited about this too. Like, it's gonna be fun to get you know unintellectual for a little while and <laughs> fucking throw things in other things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I'll shoot some shit. Yeah, I'm just gonna just pound that guy into a wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this is a this is a fantastic uh, shooter, and it's fairly recent. You know, like we said, PlayStation Two, Xbox. It's real cheap. Um, you can go to your local Stop Games and get it for five dollars on the PlayStation mm-hmm. Two. Um, yeah. So you know, it's 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 not it's not exactly rare. Um, no, it, it it's common. It didn't it didn't commercially didn't do that well. It's uh, and, but the, I mean, the neat thing about it is, is it's an action shooty game where, excuse me. Um, it's an action shooting game where your your power set is varied and very interesting. Yeah, so. you're a psychic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a demon. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So the uh, we don't have a, a Tim and Eric reference on the bingo card. Yet, no, we don't. No. But uh, well, we'll have to do that at some point because yeah. that comes up a lot as well. <laughs> and it um, does. So yeah, and after that, we don't have anything announced, but that does get us several episodes. Yeah. Um, we'll probably be ready to announce the next game after in like next episode. Yeah. I guess it's going to be a swinging good time. Yeah, no matter what it is, it will be it'll be rad. Yeah, so uh, it'll be it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> so, um. yeah. So, um, tell why don't you tell the people that if they want to uh, talk to us about those games or comment on those games, how they can get a hold of us. Cole. Okay, if you want to talk to us about these games, um, any of those ones that we mentioned before, or about Planescape, there's still time left. Um, yeah. Here, here in the meantime. But in the meantime, if you would like to uh, comment on any of these games or reach out to us in any fashion, you can email us at watchoutforfireballs at duckfeed.tv. You can go to duckfeed.tv/slash contact which has a nice little forum there it goes directly to us uh lots of fun there uh we really like to interact with you on the facebook page that's facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs and if you are fortunate enough to be a part of the something awful forums you can go to the rapidly going deaf uh sub forum and find us in the uh video game podcast mega thread on there uh is there anything that i missed Ooh, the voicemail we haven't had a voicemail yeah we'd love to get a voicemail about about torment Yeah, hey, call bl- us and do impressions of the characters. Yeah, blow 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 that shit up. Um, yeah. That is four one nine eight three four W O F F. I need to change that to five one three because I'm not in the four one nine area code anymore. That is huh. neither here nor there. Um, so um, that is our presence on the web. Yes, and as far as um, things that you know, if you if you wanna if you wanna give back, um, 
there's a couple a couple things you can do. Uh, we mentioned that Facebook group. Um, you know, I, I please join that and, and hang out with us. We just got our 75th fan. Blowing up. Um, yep, uh, Carrie Padian has become our, our 75th fan. So many awesome names on our goddamn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's an awesome person too. Like I know her in, in real life. She's a friend of mine. Great. Um, and she is rad. And the uh, uh, you know, so she's the 75th. We so please join that. We are creeping so close to to 25 reviews and 45 five star ratings on iTunes that that you know I'm I'm shaking like we're <laughs> we're so close. Um, it's just gonna take just a couple more people uh, wanting to do that for us. We might even be at 44 reviews now, so we might be just be one against each. So if you haven't done that and just want to pop on there and just be like, "Good on you, idiots!" Um, it'll be <laughs> a nice round number you. for us. And yeah, rats off to you. <laughs> Um, uh, it'll be a nice little round number for us. And we like that because of who we are mm-hmm. and our upbringing. So the, um, so please, please do that. That helps us out a lot. If, uh, if that's not interesting to you, um, just talk about it on a blog, talk about it and, you know, talk about the, the sh- recite the show as you're listening to it to yourself on a bus yeah. and hope that, that a bunch of homeless people, you know, gather around you for some <laughs> entertainment. Just, uh, do what you can to, to spread the word because we're doing what we can and we're only two men. Yeah. And uh, we need your help if we're going to make this thing grow. Yeah. So the, that 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 is stuff that you can do to help us out. Um, um, so you know, we don't just uh, we're not just we don't just take take take. Um, if you would like, we'd be happy to send you a button. We have attractive buttons made up. Um, I'm going to if you think the joke of this big if you go to our Facebook uh, thing we referenced a bingo card. I made a bingo card in a particularly uh, humorous moment of self loathing and being <laughs> sick of hearing myself talk about the same shit every episode. <laughs> So if you think that idea is funny, um, I want to eventually make laminated real-life bingo cards for the show. I'm not so egotistical to think that anyone's going to listen to the show and actually play bingo. <laughs> but uh, as far as a little tchotchke type thing, if you would like one, um, if there's enough interest, I will go and make them up. Yeah. So if you please let us know if that's something that's interesting to you. Yeah, just uh, pop onto the Facebook, and if, we, if, if your comment gets enough likes or comments or whatever, we'll, uh, we will consider that a resounding endorsement. Yeah, totally. And if there's something else you can think of that would be cool you know, to have as far as like little uh, – little tchotchke type things let us know and maybe we'll we'll, we'll consider it. like those things cost yeah. money to us and we'd feel bad selling them but uh we're you know so flattered about the idea that people would want them that we're pretty much willing to do anything <laughs> pretty much yeah so <laughs> just pay so, attention to us <laughs> yeah please um so yeah i think that's mostly it um and then if you uh if you if you like us um you can check out uh, uh our other web presences on the uh the old interweb and uh, if you want to listen to some other podcasts, you can check out Cole on DuckFeed.tv. Um, he's got a show called Those Damn Ross Kids. Uh, his last name is Ross. <laughs> and the titular kids are him and his brother. And they exchange quips and queries and, and little uh, little news stories. It's super fun and super hilarious. And then he also does a show called Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, which is a modern roundtable video game show uh, that is really kind of top of the pops as far as that stuff goes. It's very good. Yeah. And if you like Gary, thank you, Gary, uh, you can go to GaryButterfield.net, which is his new home on the web. Um, he has uh, some pictures of uh, Riker at the top. Is that, is that yeah. Riker? It is, it is Rikers. It is, is Rikers. Rikers. It's, it's Williams Riker. Is the, <laughs> Attorneys the General Williams Riker. There we go. That's the grammatically correct way to say it. <laughs> I love Williams Riker. Yeah. Um, it, it is It is your blog. It is your new home on the web. It's where your podcraft is uh, being categorized. You are mm-hmm. a prolific writer. I have to admit I'm behind on this. Um, yeah, uh, I, I got, I've gotten real into being reflective about my music, uh, quote unquote, career. Yep. So we definitely recommend you go check those out. We recommend that you contact us at all the ways we mentioned 
mentioned before, we recommend you favorite us uh, on iTunes and everything. We recommend you play Planescape Torment because it's really yeah. goddamn good. Uh, is there anything? Know. Is there anything I'm missing? You could consider our Facebook page our faction. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you if you go on the so if you decide to join our Facebook page, there's a lot of small objects we're going to ask you to get. And I don't want you to be alarmed, but I mean we're going to need a piece of junk and a rag and a hammer and pry all bar. these things we're going to pry bar. We're going to keep sending you back and forth to get this thing, but don't worry because the end uh, once you join the faction, we're going to impart our secret faction uh, wisdom on you. And what is that wisdom, Gary? Um, that wisdom would be to watch out for fireballs. Are you? Oh, Gary B. There we go. Okay, yeah. cool. Huh? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna leave that for later so I don't get too distracted. Yeah, that's, that's fine. We don't have to like talk to each other while I'm drawing. You're gonna like this. Just <laughs> wait do wait. Oh, oh boy. You're gonna size this dick I'm drawing. <laughs> um, so. That reminds me, I need to silence my phone. Um, nice. <laughs> so, I, no. mean, I need to put away my dick. <laughs> um, so. I have the courtesy. I, I'm not going to say I, I, I have the courtesy not to masturbate while we record. But I do have the courtesy to do it through at least one layer. So. God, yeah. quit! I, I need to. I need to like cut off at some point for the end of the episode. Easter egg. Come on.